Morgan Freeman cleans up a school. Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal get analytical and who watches The Watchmen? America! This week on 30-20-10. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30-20-10, the internet's leading pop culture time machine each week taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago, back in the past of our movies, our shared news, our collective culture, video games, music, and more. We're talking about March 1st through the 7th in the years of 1989, 1999, and 2009. Uh, get ready. Get ready to open up three little portals to your past, or maybe two if you're one of our younger listeners. By the way, go to bed. Uh, you got a big day tomorrow. Uh, hi, one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I am glow-in-the-dark condom aficionado, Diana Goodman. I hope that's not true. <laughs> How else are you going to find it? <laughs> I don't know what you're implying. It's me, Sarah, tripping on love. Uh, and this is going to be a really, really fun week. We have uh, some of the, I would say, the most quintessential movies of these respective years, even though they're not among their best. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just represent their years so well. And uh, the stupidest video game to never come to America. I'm going to play a sound effect from that later. Yeah, look forward to that. Is that a good enough tease? I'll play one second of this thing you've never heard of. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But 30, 20, 10, get ready to embark, uh, starting as we always do in 1989. March 1st yeah, through the 7th, bit. start as we always do in 1989, and a little bit of news to wade you into the ATs. Uh, March 1st, this is ridiculous, Iceland ends its 74-year ban on beer. Yay! Yay! So Iceland had a woman president before they had a... They could crack open a cold one? No, they had the woman president later, but I... I didn't spend enough time to, like, really get into it because I kept finding news articles in Icelandic, uh, a language I'm not good at. Mm. And, uh, yeah. They just... They had a ban on beer. But you know they were still drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, some sort of liquor made from like polar bear fat or something. Wait, is that why all like all models come from there? They're just not getting them carbs in. Sure, I'm sure that's it. Oh, Oh, I just found a conspiracy. (laughs) I'm on to you, Reykjavik. On also on March first, March fourth, a little bit of news. This is nuts because I I have such vague memories of before this happened. Time uh, and Warner announced their merger, Mm. which is ridiculous. At that point, I was only familiar with the Time Life merger. Uh, but now we Time Warner. It's still something you see underneath every New Line Cinema Warner Brothers yeah. logo. Yeah, that happened 30 years ago this week. Congratulations, corporations! I hope you're happy. Best wishes Best on wishes. your marriage. I'm sure. Please don't week. kill us. You own everything. <laughs> uh, but yes, not yet with Turner. Then I'm guessing I was really paying attention to that one for some reason. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they haven't merged together yet. But let's get into movies of 1989 because there are a lot of them, and man, have I not seen so very many of them. Uh, this is ooh. a pretty good week, yo. Last week I felt like was a little, little boring, but this week there is a lot to talk about. Has everybody's seen the goddamn burb not. still, uh, but not this week. You're going to see everyone is out there seeing "Farewell to the King" with Nick Nolte, Nigel Havers, and Marius Weirs. I've never heard of this. Well, not really. It's a John Milius joint, and oh. it's sort of based on a book, which might vaguely be related to a real story about a guy in World War II who I think like he deserts or he gets lost, and he ends up with this like tribe of hen hunters, and he sort of becomes their king. Huh, dude. I I, I meant to rewatch everything that dude made after that 
What's that? Is it Milius, the documentary about him? Yeah, he's kind of a crazy person. Uh, Walter Sobchak is based on him from Big Lebowski. Because he would <laughs> wow. literally bring guns into like Hollywood executive meetings. He was trying to be the Hunter S. Thompson of screenwriters. But he was also this, um, yeah, it's called Milius. It's, it's a documentary of the third member of the George Lucas Steven Spielberg USC triumvirate. Hmm. And right. uh, he has 5% of Star Wars and 5% of E.T. Because they all traded percentages on their films. So they were best friends and they have... Five percent of farewell to the king. Uh, <laughs> Yay! Okay. So I it, mean, yeah, the reviews on this were like it's okay, mostly just praising Nick Nolte, like really getting into the role of being like tortured and scared and in the jungle, and then going a little nutty and getting with. The- ah, goddamn hell! He fucking snakes are biting me. Goddamn! Shouldn't even tropic thunder. Goddamn it! And so he becomes the king of the headhunters. Yes. That's too bad because that would have been a trophy-sized oh, yeah. head for oh, someone. Yeah. <laughs> that gigantic uh, noggin. Oh, you could see it from space. Um, <laughs> It'd be like the Easter Island, the new Easter Island, basically. <laughs> uh, also out this week, Heart of Midnight with Jennifer Jason Lee, Peter Coyote, and uh, Brenda Vaccaro. And also James Rebhorn and also Steve Buscemi. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I Steve Buscemi is so far down in the credits, and then I watched this trailer, and I was like, "Well, there's fucking Steve Buscemi. There's baby Steve Buscemi scaring right. her." So we what someone tell this? me? Uh, has his, have his eyes ever been bigger than this? Oof. No, <laughs> got him. Fixed. No, the younger he is, the bigger the eyes look because he's <laughs> so gaunt. Um, but this is Heart of Midnight. Here, have a listen. Carol's running away from the past. You want a leg or a breast? From the madness of what is real. She has a history of hysterical behavior. I'm sorry if I scared you. I'm the scary guy from E.T. Uh, <laughs> Peter Coyote. Yes. But, uh, Learn about yeah, Vietnam from Jennifer, me. Jennifer Jason Lee has mental problems, which is... You know, she's really good at playing that. Mm-hmm. And but then she starts getting attacked by these guys and can she get the cops to believe her? What is really real? Eh, who, she, she inherits the so we watched this the mm-hmm. other day. Oh, um, you watched the whole thing? Wow. I watched most of it. Sam watched all okay. of it because I fell asleep as mm-hmm. I am wont to do. And okay. uh, but she inherits a nightclub from her uncle and is like it's in the being in the process of being like fixed up, I guess, for use. And she also lives there because there's like a series an apartment on top of it of course there is and so she's living it's kind of in a bad area of town she lives in this apartment above the the nightclub and she's finding all these rooms that are set up to be various sex rooms and so there's like a dull like a little girl's playroom gross there's a like weird sex dungeon one now that i'm behind yeah there like each room is themed Mm -hmm. of course and then all these sort of like weird things start happening is it paranormal or what's going on she gets raped by like this group of guys who are like hanging around there one of them being steve buscemi and so it's like she also has a history of mental and emotional problems so it's like will the cops believe her what's going on in this weird place she has all these flashbacks to her creepy uncle who inherit she inherited this place from it's I Sam watched the rest of it and he was like, you probably don't want to watch the rest of it because it is very disturbing. But yeah, there's a gimp 
costume that's involved. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's real. So glad to see gimps represented. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's something else for sure. Okay. Uh, I'm All bummed right. out and definitely not buying a ticket to that in 89. Yeah, don't do so, it. That's why y'all. I saw that's probably why I saw the burbs twice in uh twice in the theater. But if you're interested in watching it, we saw it on the Tubi app on your Roku or whatever. If you have that app, it's available on there. I am this close to being curious about whatever Tubi is. I mean, every now and then when I'm looking to watch a movie for the research, <laughs> yeah, for the 80s, something will pop up on Tubi and I mean, I think they maybe play an ad halfway through or something. Yeah, maybe that's how they the, make their money. That's the free service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get into that in some bonus time, start bitching about it. Uh, with my purchase of YouTube Premium, mm-hmm. I've officially, as a cord cutter, reached the price of basic cable. And I don't know. And there are more streaming services coming. I don't know what to do. I thought <laughs> yeah. I was being so smart. We need to address that and consolidate in some way. Because yes. I don't. If only we could put it all in one service that you could pay for all at once it's like it would be a much less hard decision if like netflix offered free shipping on everything i needed but i would let amazon prime go in a second uh but uh also out this week uh skin deep Ooh, this please tell me it's an erotic thriller with john ritter it's not an erotic Damn. thriller it is an erotic comedy oh, oh okay. even better like this and exit to eden all right that's all that yep. exists. Uh, but this also, sort of. Denise Crosby, Julian Phillips, Allison Reed, uh, Vincent Gardinia, and John Ritter in Skin Deep. He's smart. Inside of about five minutes, I drank 14 glasses of champagne. He's sexy. <laughs> He's funny. Why did you wrap yourself in toilet paper? Because I was cold. Zach Hutton would make any woman happy. The only problem is... Goodbye, Zach. He's trying to make every woman happy. Anything above plus seven could be dangerous. Blake Edwards' new comedy, Skin Deep. Oh, Blake Edwards. I get it now. The only guy who can make a rated R comedy at this point. Hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Um... So this is, I mean, he's, John Ritter is like this crazy womanizer and he goes, all these crazy women and all kinds of crazy things happen. Um, It is most well known for uh, a glow in the dark condom scene, Mm. which is shot in total blackness. (laughs) And then he comes out wearing a glow in the dark condom and has to hide in the closet. And then another guy comes in wearing a glow in the dark condom. Oh my God. And you just see the glow in the dark dicks running around this room as they try to beat each other up. So it's like a Looney Tunes eye sequence at, at night. Yes. That's wonderful. So yes, that's fun. exactly what it is. Or also they're like lightsaber colors. That makes it kind of fun too. So oh my goodness. it's entirely visual, but I put the link in so you can appreciate it. I encourage people to watch it because it's both terrible and fantastic. Okay. We'll try and uh, embed it beneath the article. Okay. Shut up. So, like, this is exactly what you think it is. But yeah, like, that's uh, amazing. Unlike the movie we'll talk about in the third segment, it really nailed the dick physics. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a little wobble if you're running around with one of those. Um, sure. <laughs> one of those I mean, on. I would think if, but like, you're. It, I mean, I'm not. I don't understand the male physics. I would think one would lose one's erection sure. if you're in the middle of a fight in the pitch blackness. But yeah, this is just not what you're into. Depends on what sponsors on the show. Running around. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. 
That's it's it's wonderfully ridiculous because just when I thought it was going to be boring to watch, they started running around and oh man, yeah. mm-hmm. the way they dip. Uh, yeah, and then you realize like oh, someone just jumped on the bed and jumped on someone's back, and oh, he just got thrown to the floor, <laughs> but it's just the two little dicks running around. That look that didn't they didn't they make those illegal the glow in the dark condoms or at least the ones that have taste? They're like don't actually use these for penetration. Mm. Like, oh, don't yeah. use these at all. Uh, anything with these weird chemicals. Anyway, anyway, I have no idea. I am not a- equipped to give advice on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not an especially good movie, but I, yeah, that scene, it's like I said, it's like so bad it's good or it's so good it's bad. I can't tell you. Yeah, I think the fucked up thing I is I, I definitely, I've seen it and I don't like, yeah, yeah just because the the shot of him in the turban, like I just remember mm. that for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. must be on one, one of my weird encore channels when my parents wouldn't spring for HBO, which is also why I didn't see this mo- the next movie over and over again, which for many of you will be the highlight of the entire week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, I, it's one of the Corey's movies, uh, but I, let's call it a Harry Dean Stanton joint as well. Uh, Jason yeah. Robards, Meredith Salinger, Piper Laurie, and of course, Corey Heyman, Corey Feldman in Dream a Little Dream. Bobby was just a normal teenager. Is he okay? Until he bumped into Laney and the Edingers. This wasn't supposed to happen. Oh my God. From him. Now, Bobby has three days to find himself. That's rude, mister. To pass high school. I was that SAT man Saturday afternoon test. And steal his best friend's girl. Well, maybe you're not her type. I'm every girl's type. Yeah, we all know that guy in the '80s, I guess. Uh, huh. uh, I have, a body swap comedy. I've never, I like, dude. I have never seen this, and Neither I didn't. I had I. no idea that was what what it was about. Same. I think I'm confusing it. Yeah. I know we talked about uh, Monster Squad, so I think that's the mm-hmm. first Corey meetup. And on into License to Drive. Mm-hmm. No, wait. Are they in Monster Squad? Or are they in Lost Boys? So what did I say? I thought I meant I meant Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Vampires. Yes. There's no. There's no uh, Van Helsing giving a thumbs up in Lost Boys. Just a sexy <laughs> man with a saxophone. Uh, but Dream Little Dream. This got a sequel, which is bizarre because yeah. most body swap movies <laughs> maybe don't do this for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but this apparently did well enough to get a sequel. Yeah, I've never, ever seen this, but I know if you were one of those HBO kids, you watched this endlessly. It's beloved by a lot of people mm-hmm. I know. I wish I had something nicer to say about it because of that, but it's just not my cup of tea. I've, I, I've always liked the idea of a body swap movie, and they're so rarely done well. Mm. I mean, I, I think I saw I saw the original first, which I know is not the original, but the Jodie Foster Freaky Friday. I, mm-hmm. Even though it was mm-hmm. made well before I was born, it was the first one I saw, and that's everything else is like, why are you doing this again? Yeah, we it, get it. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a stupid laser time topic. No, I don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. Except for, the, what was that movie we talked about where George Burns switched bodies with his grandson? Uh, at 18 again? <laughs> that one sounds awesome. Mm. Oh, that's disturbing. No. No, 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 But I yeah, don't too know. Too much sex comedy in there. No, 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 no. I don't know. I don't know what it what it was about the next movie. I guess I think it was when I finally did get HBO. Mm-hmm. This was a bona fide classic. It wasn't just the movie yeah. that they had rights to. And uh, tons of my friends quote lines were quoting lines from this scene the the song became popular again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, uh 1989's number one at the box office this week uh march 1st to the 7th is lean on me starring 
Starring uh, Lynn Thigpen, Ethan Phillips, Alan North, Robert Guillaume. I did it right that time. Good job. Uh, Good. And Morgan Freeman. Lean on me, baby. East Side High was out of control. And then Joe Clark took over. Take out your pencils and write. I want the name. Every hoodlum, drug dealer, and miscreant on my desk by noon today. They called him crazy. They used to call me crazy, Joe. Well, now they can call me Batman. Crazy for padlocking the doors. You know me 30 years. You know what I would do. Crazy for changing the rules. I want all of you to look at this slovenly, sloppy boy here. As an example of how not to dress. But Joe Clark was only crazy about one thing. The kids he cared about. You mess up just once and you're out of here. Look, there's, there's, it's hard to hate the movie. Even though like, uh, 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 okay, a little mild hot take. I think in hindsight, I don't like the character of Mr. Clark very much. He's no. very cruel uh, to, to no, his children. He's, uh, fucking drill sergeant he's he's a hard ass too yeah i mean this school's falling apart with drugs and crime and everything and the kids can't learn and they're gonna you know get taken over by the state and he comes in here he's gonna clean it up by making kids have respect for yourself after my yelling at you he is a very uh, very simplified republican solution to an inner city school problem yeah i mean but, the, the but <laughs> i still think is this the best morgan freeman role ever like leading Whoa. role, he's he's he is, is not. First, he is, this is her, this is his first leading role, right. really. And he's I I don't and know of anything else. His I lo- 1989 is going to be amazing. Okay, oh, because oh, Glory's this, coming up. We got Glory and Driving Miss Daisy by the end of the year. Oh wow. goodness! So this this is the year Morgan Freeman fucking breaks and becomes a star. Uh, so I had not seen this until this weekend. Really? Actually. This is like a classic that just smoke mi- crack, don't you, girl? This <laughs> lean on me. <laughs> All I got to do is be basic and die. (laughs) Um, But it is, I loved it. Even seeing it through our new lens of maybe the pull your pants up respectability politics of it all. The cosmification. (laughs) It simplifies a very complicated issue. And that doesn't really play as well now, I think. Um, Mm. But I still loved it. I love any story about someone coming into a bad situation and cleaning it up. It's just such a satisfying story. I was trying to think of my favorite uh, singular hero of an inner city school movie. And this is probably the one. Mm. I I think. Yeah. Yeah. My dad is my dad. My dad owned like three movies on VHS his Mm -hmm. whole life before DVD, like fucking man who would be king and. Yeah, and, and and stand and deliver. So I can't let. Don't let him hear me say that. Okay. Because I know he loves that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and he loves this podcast. But but this this like this one kids over too. Like yeah. I don't know yeah. why we would chant it, but like um, because at the end of the movie, like anytime we like wanted something, we were harassing our parents. Like oh, we want to go rent fucking Ducktales from Blockbuster. I can't do that right now. Free Mr. Clark! Free Mr. Clark! <laughs> like, we don't really know what the fuck we're talking about. We just thought that was a chance, you said, when you mm-hmm. wanted something badly to happen. Oh, it's <laughs> worth noting that this is based on a real school administrator, yeah. a real principal, a real guy who went in, actually went into a school and did clean it up. The story isn't exactly the way it went, of course, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, it definitely was based on a true story and a real person who was seen as like a real hero to the community that he went into. It's such a weird scene that you smoke crack. Like, smoke crack, don't you, kid? Yes, yeah. I smoke crack. Like, 
Really? He doesn't look like he smokes crack. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a child actor who was told to say he smoked crack. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe it. Uh, but He's definitely the cutest crack smoker. And, and, and Robert Guillaume is fucking rad in it. Like, this is the first thing I ever saw him in. And the chief from Carmen San Diego. What? Yeah. Yeah. Lindsay Penn. Yes. Oh, is that she is the warrior's voice? She's yeah. the chief. All right, let's get down to it, Bob. <laughs> I fucking love that lady. Uh, yep. But this, this movie, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can not have fun with it. Probably not the week after one of the worst Oscars ever. Tune in for bonus time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, I mean, I guess it depends. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, can can you enjoy something if you disagree with it politically? Because it's basically broken windows policing the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I disagree with that politically, and yet I st- I still enjoy watching it. I think it's um, if it's fake, it, it I has... don't like its message, and yet. He's so fucking charismatic. It has a nice ending. It's it gets very dead poet society, and it's a, a positive ending. It simplifies a complicated issue. I think that the tact that he takes in it um, does work in some circumstances for some people, and it was successful mm. in real life for his the school that he was in. Not for everyone, I'm sure, at that school, mm. but for when you're working with public schools. <clears throat> You're trying to do the best for the most amount of people, mm-hmm. and um, and so I think ultimately that's what we see again. Super simplified, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's still better for than the pri- it's still better than Jim Belushi's The Principal. How about that? Yeah. Can we well, settle on yeah. That? And the other thing too is I think the the big message I took from it is that these kids that were in here, nobody expected them to do anything besides. Yeah be terrible and when he came in and was like no i expect you to be great and here are the standards i'm going to hold you to people do rise to those standards if you put them to them Mm. some do in some circumstances sometimes and in this case it works i think you were looking at me for the negative example but Hmm. i don't know what you're talking about i don't know what you're talking about (sighs) uh but yeah i this i have nothing but positive memories of this um Man, this I watched this. I, there was a, a period I think I watched this once a day in a much the mm. world with less channels <laughs> and no streaming. Mm-hmm. Lean on me, and and that became a hit again. Um, and if you went to Christian camp like I did, the band DC Talk famously covered it, and oh. it was so huge mm, at Christian camp uh, n- around the next year. Okay, uh, but moving into television, March first through the seventh, nineteen eighty nine. This is this sent me on a tailspin. Okay. Uh, March second, like the like a prayer ad for Pepsi airs during the Cosby Show, mm-hmm. which is crazy because the last time I got a famous Pepsi ad, it was a thirty second spot where they changed the lyrics, and this is a two and a half minute video. Pepsi's doing everything. A Madonna. Well, it's it's not. I don't think they show the whole video. They show a big part of the video, but I, everyone I, loses their shit. I think they they did the first time. And excuse uh. me, another hot take from Christopher, uh, the best Madonna song. Oh, agree. My yes. fave Madonna song. Yes. Absolutely. And, and it, be, it, it became a stupid controversy, not because of the ad itself, but because of the video for the song. Yeah. So I watched the ad and I was like, why is this a big deal? No, no, no. You got to watch the one with all the burning benign. crosses. Yeah. And, uh, That's the good. And, and black and like, Jesus crying. And I think and, yeah. Cable's first like... <clears throat> interracial sexuality mm-hmm. scene in a music video in a music video <laughs> in a music video but like it was it was madonna finding yeah. another way to be controversial yeah well the the burning crosses was she's wearing like a negligee in front of him i'm i'm not really sure i've never quite understood what the burning crosses relate to compared to the rest of the video because probably, the rest of the video probably a lumber surplus has nothing to do with race Don't oh that makes it. sense yeah, yeah. 
but it's like the rest of the video ties in with the rest of the song and that's why it's like it's the her best song ever i think is because she's comparing sexual ecstasy to religious ecstasy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and growing up super atathlic uh, super atathlic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's shorthand uh that makes sense that she would connect so hard to it maybe the burning cross i mean in the v- music video the jesus that comes to life is mm-hmm. a black man so maybe it has mm-hmm. something to do with that yeah probably yeah and that, and that was like it's, oh, that, that's another reason why he's being crucified. Yeah, and that's that's the it's Im, ah. it's embarrassing to me that this was controversial, so controversial. Uh, and there was I found a neat like MTV Lost cut where Kurt Loder's doing an interview with her, not mic'd very well, where she talks about this and mm-hmm. like, yeah, don't give me any more corporate money. What what do you want? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like yeah, what were you expecting? Like Pepsi knows what. Yeah, they should know what they're buying. Mm-hmm. They, the, they're buying Madonna. She might do something a bit different. Yeah, it, and she didn't do the David Bowie thing of changing her lyrics about how much you'll enjoy Pepsi. It is just the song "Like a Prayer" with a new music video for the number two like cola soft drink in the country. Pepsi really does court some controversy with their ad campaigns. They really do. And you know, what, I mean, one of the craziest things about Dole it. Talking about his boner. <laughs> Bob Dole got an erection watching Britney Spears dance. Ugh. Easy boy. And then, you yep. know, the whole Kendall Jenner thing where she was like oh a, a couple of years ago. And don't, that was a... Don't everyone tell, stop awful. protesting. She's got a Pepsi. Don't tell them this because we need sponsors. But like none of that would ever convince me to drink a fucking Pepsi. God, that's gross. Oh, great. I, I love their current campaign, which is like Pepsi. It's it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's it literally is. Their most yeah, recent ad I did fine. enjoy. Good enough. I yeah, thought it's what you probably because it had Cardi B. It's what you drink in a Pizza Hut. You don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then also they set Michael Jackson on fire. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah. and made David Bowie change the lyrics to Modern Love. It's very controversial. Ridiculous. All right, now we can write the ship back in happy times. No more okay. controversies. No more social problems because we have uh, the creation of one of the greatest shows of all time. The show rules, and I, I'm not ashamed that we did that. Um, this theme song still bangs. <laughs> it's it. I swear. I really like it. I swear, secretly, like we all know the Ducktales theme song. This is the better theme song. It is. And uh, yeah. I, I worked on some projects for the Disney afternoon. I should have fucking got it. I have the original master of this song, mm-hmm. which features about two and a half minutes of just scatting in the middle of it. Ooh, it's, <laughs> yikes. It's crazy. I've never heard it anywhere else. Uh, but Chippendale's Rescue Rangers uh, debuts in syndication this week, one step closer to the Disney afternoon. We're also talking about that sort of on this week's Laser Time, because uh, we're talking about Saturday morning cartoons and their importance. But we're, mm-hmm. uh, we're off of... Uh, Gummy Bears, essentially. Gummy Bears is kind of a Saturday oh, morning wow. sensation. They yeah. make DuckTales in uh, 87. And this is their next, Disney's next entry mm-hmm. into the fold. So a, long t- a while back, we did an interview with uh, Tad Stone. And he's the creator of the show, as well as Darkwing Duck, and instrumental in getting DuckTales off the ground. And this is sort of a mandate from Michael Eisner, who has just been throwing out, as far as I can tell, a lot of one word like, my kid likes gummy bears. Make a show. Hmm. Uh, but they, they had a... They had, it looked like a spinoff of the Rescuers. Yes. Bernard and yeah. Brianka. Yeah. 
that's what it was originally pitched as, but none, with none of those characters, like, uh, and I think Tad, had, he, he's put the concept up out, concept art up out there, and it was a last minute decision to put like, no, we need like an established Disney character in there, and it became Chip and Dale, who, if you know me, they are the funniest. They're the first Disney thing I would save in a fire. Mm. Um, at least they're, his, they're the cartoons with Donald Duck. I love mm-hmm. Donald more, but the Donald Duck, Chip and Dale cartoons are the funniest and the best. And the show works. It's it's again. It's I'm not saying go watch it if you're like 39 years old, <laughs> but it uh, it was very well animated, very well written, very well acted. Uh, especially considering like we're, we're like in a post He Man world here, and now you mm-hmm. have this, this these gorgeous feats of animation, and I love. Love depictions of little creatures in a big world. Yes, making a plane out of a, a milk jug, that kind of shit. Like I, I love that shit. And uh, this this obviously ran for a, a couple, like about a hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. You probably watched mm-hmm. a ton of it. And uh, I th- I, th- I was yes, my mind was blown too when I figured out what Chip and Dale were dressed. Okay, as. thank you. <laughs> this was on purpose. Did not realize that. And- I remember like years ago being out and about and texting that to you like when I saw it somewhere like mm-hmm. did you know this and you're like I know yeah I try not to mind. respond to those things <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah yeah if it's a meme with a Disney character somebody probably sent it to me already. I know but you know <laughs> I'd like to think I get some sort of precedent no but for I, I didn't know that, she, that I did not know that Dale is dressed like Tom Selleck and Magnum PI and Chip is dressed like Indiana Jones right down to the hat and aviator jacket it's uh, amazing. It's yep. it's pretty neat. Magnum PI hadn't even been off the air for a year yet, mm-hmm. so it's sort of like a current reference. It's not even like a throwback reference. Yeah, but I, I love Tad's stories of like um, Disney was pretty reluctant to get into television animation. They'd always been in theatrical animation, and this is mm-hmm. it's only been a couple of years. But they're just, Michael Eisner just made a mandate like if we're gonna do this, we're gonna it has to be better than everybody else's shit. And th- yep. this stuff. I could I try and make the connection in laser time. It raises the bar for all animation and almost single-handedly kills Saturday morning animation mm. because yeah. the syndicated stuff wasn't subject to as many rules. Uh it it could it wasn't subject to as much censorship. And uh this this was much better than what was on Saturday mornings and now it was on every day for free. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Very happy about it. Oh, and we should say it debuts on the Disney Channel because mm. That's kind of a crock of horseshit that I, I love that about. I, I didn't have the Disney Channel, but oh man, did I have a bunch of blank VHS tapes to record every free preview. Every cool <laughs> Disney movie I have on tape has a fucking 800 number at the bottom, god oh, damn it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but Disney Channel, I never really understood that. We're going to make our coolest shows for free for everyone, but if you pay $15 a month, you can watch these horrible, horrible, horrible <laughs> things where people in Winnie the Pooh costumes dance around in Dumbo Circus. But you would get to be able to preview Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers and stuff from the Disney afternoon like six months in advance. Wow. That's they would premiere it there and like as a like almost a public focus group. Hmm. So it, it's very strange if you're living a little a little kid without the internet, you just I saw this. What is it and where is it and why? And you just wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't know for another couple of months. Uh, but once September came around, I'll be there. Anyway, enough of my my yammering. Uh, March sixth, uh, though she left behind a TV movie, oddly enough, starring Gary Cole. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's like coming fresh off of uh, Night Talker or whatever his show was. Oh yeah, what was that? Oh name? right, Night Nightcaller. Nightcaller. Yeah, the Eric Bogosian talk radio series. Yeah, yeah, and he. This is the drippiest of drippy uh, <laughs> TV movies for sure. He plays a 
man whose wife is pregnant and she gives birth and dies during childbirth in a very, very freak complication. And he doesn't know what to do with this baby now. And <laughs> he almost, he's going to just give it all up. This, the, if, if not for the fucking like maudlin title, I'd yeah. say this is a backdoor pilot for something. Yeah. A mother dies. My wife, 28 years old, comes into the hospital to have a baby and dies. A baby survives. I don't know what she wants. I don't know what she needs. This is your own flesh and blood. And a father is born. We're going to make this work. Midnight Callers, Gary Cole and Growing Pains, Joanna Kern star in a world premiere movie, Though She Left Behind, Monday. Just, I just. There's a still in there of like a baby in an incubator. Yeah, it's the weirdest promo because it's like (laughs) scenes from it and then just still shots of like a baby. And then, yeah, it is drippy. What the fuck is this? On March 7th, is this a sitcom? Yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't know about this. I remember watching Anything But Love on ABC starring Richard Lewis and Jamie Lee Curtis. What the hell? I want to go back. Yes. It went for like two years. Year, four years? It went for four, four seasons, but some hell? of them are short because it would be plugged in mid-season uh, or he'd be mm. moved around because it, it was like it was doing okay, but not great. So it, they, they got jerked around. It looked like they'd get canceled. They come back for a short order. Then they get moved again. And uh, yeah, it's a workplace romantic comedy starring, oh you know, this the sizzling tension of Richard Lewis and Jamie Lee Curtis. I think they both play As, uh, editors. Journalists, I think. Yeah, yeah, like for a magazine, and they have to, like, tamp down their sexual tension for each other to do their jobs. Really? You're going to wear that dress? And we're going to have all this tension? And we're going to dance around it for a long time? And, like, what? how I the was, fuck is this sexy? I was looking for the promo for the debut of it, and I didn't pull it just because it's just the two of them sitting at like a diner and he's like talking at her about Richard basically Lewis? doing a bit huh. from his stand-up I think you know and mm-hmm. so it's very cute but it, it wasn't it wasn't super compelling a as a promo stand-up. I do I, I I opposite of hate Richard Lewis Same. but like he's he's mm-hmm. he's like no I haven't written any material in years I just go on stage and talk I'm like yeah I can I, tell I would pay a million dollars to see that I <laughs> love him <laughs> I can tell oh that sounds excruciating but no oh. I'm into yeah. it I I mean, I remember it as being cute, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I trust my opinion at that time because I would be, I don't know, 11 or something. But I like both of them. It's kind of interesting that Jamie Lee Curtis is coming off a fish called Wanda and mm-hmm. has decided to move to TV, have a nice steady job, you know, not have to move around, I guess, kids and all. Oh, is she having kids she's already? super cute, too. Getting I married spoke. to Sir Christopher Guest? Yep. Uh, oh, anyway, uh, the Wonder Years episode Walkout airs on the same day. Yeah, this is kind of a f- important one, I think. Um, Kevin gets on student council, kind of sees it as this like big waste of time, which student council, I feel like, generally is, but yep. gets decides to, um, well, someone, another kid on the student council decides to organize a walkout to protest the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And it goes through like the story of, you know, the administration being against it and he, their cool, their cool advisor being like, I don't know, man, you got to just go with what your heart says for the walkout. And yeah. so they collect a bunch of petition signatures and to organize this walkout to protest. Wow. I thought it was just a really interesting idea because there are there's a quite a string of Supreme Court cases about students' free speech. And famously, um, one of the opinions says that a student's free speech does not end when they walk inside the school. Um, and that was based off of a Supreme Court decision about students wearing a black armband to protest the Vietnam War. Right. And, and so this is like a big deal. It's a big deal because that's the... the- 
the battle students won for us that we right. never have I've always been able to wa- yep. participate in every walkout. And we're just seeing it again in the news. I think last week mm-hmm. there was a young child who just got uh, really in a lot of trouble with his school. And I think they even called the cops in because he refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Which you are not required to stand for the right. Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> right. Was it the teacher also the same? Was the teacher the cop? Because who the fuck would care about that? Who would even come to the school to address that? Oh, believe me. Yeah. It it, ha- it happens. Yeah. And it's it happens. Really and also, up. if you're if you're in school, uh, still right now, mm-hmm. no matter what your age, uh, March fifteenth, walk out. Hmm. Walk out to tell the old people that climate change is serious. Oh yeah, they don't they don't like Fucking that shit. Do it. Yep. Uh, the newspaper I work at, we just got a bunch of ele- a bunch of letters from like 10 and 11 year olds all saying, we trust you adults. Why aren't you doing anything? And I'm like, you kids are awesome. I will give you free ice cream. Yes. I'm going to go stand out in front of <laughs> in front of the school. Be like, everyone gets ice cream because you guys are rad. All right. I, I'm, I'm with you. to stop our shit. Diane has to be the face of the ice cream, though. It would look really creepy if I did it. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't. Yeah. And, you're or at least like walk out and watch this episode of The Wonder Years. Yeah. I knew that that yeah. moment I had to walk out or I would be a sinnerist. <laughs> yeah. No, watch it. Music. Get inspired. Yeah. Do it. There, the there are. Get done. I know I, it's easy to make fun of uh, Wonder Years as boomer nostalgia, but I, I was a tumultuous period to be a little kid and these these are my favorite episodes Mm -hmm. where they acknowledge Mm -hmm. like this fucking crazy shit that is happening all around these that these that don't that aren't a day-to-day burden on kids kevin kevin arnold's age but Mm -hmm. he sees it in his parents and occasionally it reflects on him i do love these types of episodes of wonder years yeah and it's not it's not like that 60s miniseries where they're always like going to something important like Mm -hmm. we're going to woodstock and there's Jimi hendrix this is really important yeah he's like in the suburbs having a normal life as this mm-hmm. stuff is happening on the yeah. TV or far away and it's impacting or everybody. Or sisters influencing him on, uh, yeah, it's uh, Wonder yeah. Years, man, really cool show. Mm-hmm. And that a bit, that is about it for TV of 1989, but thank God we got a shitload of books. Yeah, we got some great <laughs> books to talk about. In a major game. So um, on the first, we have two fantastic books. One is probably more well-known than the other. I think everyone, most people have heard of The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Um, oh, this, shit, yeah. is, this is a huge book in the 80s and it came out on the first. I'm actually reading it right now because I've, it's been a while since I read it, so I wanted to go back and revisit it, and it's fantastic. Mm. It's this great, like, multi generational story of uh, four women and their daughters, and their ex- the women's experiences in China, and then their daughters who are now adults' experiences as um, second generation, you know, Chinese Americans. I, I saw the movie. Yeah, the movie was a big deal mm-hmm. when it came out too, mm-hmm. and it made it was the it was huge because Tommy it was Jones all Asian cast. I don't know. <laughs> I actually haven't seen the movie, but um, it's fantastic. It's a high recommend. It's definitely a modern classic. So if you uh, pay, if you care about these sorts of things, it definitely should be on your list. One that's a little bit less well known, but I am cannot say enough good things about Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. This book was given to me. Write about me. <laughs> no, not I, I cringe too because that's once what I, I thought. Tell you, once I tell you the plot, I think well. Probably not. Um, but this book was well, given to me. I do bite me, the heads off chickens, though. And that, that is the geek they're talking about in this book, actually. <laughs> oh, boy! Yeah, it's a family. It's based around a family of people who run a carnival mm-hmm. uh, and travel around the United States. And the patriarch and the matriarch want to... They just 
they're carnival people. They love carnival life and they wanted to build their own family of freaks. So he, uh, they together devise concoctions of chemicals and heavy metals and stuff to give her so that she becomes pregnant and then gives birth to a family of lobster children. Basically, so they and so they have oh a of a, a whole family of children. Firstborn is a boy who is born without arms or legs, and he just kind of has flippers. So he's like the you know a, a swimming fish boy sort of thing. They have a set of Siamese twins. They give uh, she gives birth to oh, a a little person who is also an albino who has a, a hunchback who like lives oh under gosh. a cupboard. And then also um, the last child is born seemingly normal, but then psychic. Normie is what they call it, actually. <laughs> but then some weird things start happening, so he may not be as normie as they think he is. This book is tremendous. <laughs> I can I have wow. been talking about this book with everyone I've come in contact with for the past month. I've talked about it with you a lot. Like every time we hang out, I'm like, this book is killing me. It's so you good. You got a friend of mine, you talked a friend of mine into reading it who to my knowledge has never read a book in her life. So, uh, <laughs> so you, did, you did good work. <laughs> it is phenomenal it's it spans their whole lives basically traveling around the united states and the things that oh. they see and the main character is the little person who you know has a hunchback and so it follows her story as well as an adult she has her own child and that child also has their own particular set of idiosyncratic stuff going mm. on with them and I, I don't know. I could talk about this for an hour. We should form a book club. So because yeah. I am dying to discuss this book and I don't want to give anything away See, because HBO, this is what Carnival should have been, man. Yeah. God. Yeah. Crazy things happen in this book. You'll read it so fast. It's fantastic. Uh. Um, so anyways, I've been dying to talk about that for a month. I'm so glad I got that <laughs> off my chest. Um, also, on the 5th, though, Satanic Versus debuts on the New York Times bestseller list. So this is now, we talked about a little bit before when it came out in the UK. Mm -hmm. I believe the fatwa is going to hit soon. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's been declared yet as of yet in 1989, but it's coming for Salman Rushdie. Uh, I I can't believe I was young enough. I was cognizant enough to recognize what that was because mm-hmm. now I, I see Salman Rushdie like pop up on Bill Maher's show. I'm like, wait, and wait, curb your enthusiasm. Ah, is he? Oh, okay, it's over now. It's over. Well, well, it's just there's not it a lot is of enthusiasm. Never really, well, it's actually it's not over because you know, only the person who declared the fatwa mm-hmm. can declare it over, and that person has died. Yeah. So it still isn't. It's, it's like yeah. a bounty no one wants to chase. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, anyone cares I mean, anymore. Yeah, I believe that the you know the. The head guys in Iran said, no, no, we're cool. Don't do it. But I mean, there's plenty of people that feel offended on a personal level. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what Iran has to say. Mm-hmm. So you never knew. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he still watches his back. I have yeah. no idea how I'm supposed to transition into SimCity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I read the heavy books this time. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the, I think, the best selling PC games ever. Uh, oh, Sim City, one of the best PC games ever. Oh, I love Sim City so much. It's it's difficult to remember a time before Sim City and 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 how brilliant it was at the time. But this is a world that did not know the name of Maxis or Sim anything or Will Wright. And along comes this game with no set course, no ending, mm-hmm. no no. Fi- no finite path of any kind. Just like build your city and learn what happens when you build your power plants too close to your homes and. 
<laughs> I, I know uh, I would my memories of it because this is like my dad hated video games, but I know he mm-hmm. and I know now and I'm guessing he heard a piece on NPR about this in like 1990 and got me this game. One, well, it's it was definitely a, educational. One, it was one of those PC games that's a pain in the ass because uh, it has piracy protection. So you had this giant booklet key of like, it'll show you strange uh, symbols and you can't log into the game without it. And I lost it. And I remember being infuriated. Uh, and, uh, and then I found a, a way to cheat. You just leave your uh, city on overnight. And then you go down and like, well, if, if no one's dead, if not everybody's dead, you have a ton of money. Hmm. The city has, <laughs> you've let your city mostly starve and brown out. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you'll have a ton of money. But like SimCity, it's, it's difficult to think about uh, a game that reached more people uh, at this point in, in PC gaming and in, in all of video gaming yeah. because it hit like every platform too, even with Nintendo making their own version for the Super NES. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. You see, my cheat was if I was allowed, if I, the first SimCity where you're allowed to terraform only SimCity 2000, where you could create your area before you started building your city. I don't remember being like many options in, for, in terms of the terraforming. I I know you had to, like, maybe I'm thinking soil. SimCity 2000 because then I would build a giant waterfall and have all the hydroelectric power I wanted oh, there, and never have to worry about my nuclear plant blowing up. Yeah, there was none of that shit in my SimCity. Yeah, there was no there was no distinguishing height of anything. They were pretty yeah, much just, no, I just, just boxes. That way because it was always a problem of you know the the pollution or the obsolescence of of stuff. Yeah, I think it's so educational because it teach, teaches you about like. You know, balancing taxes and infrastructure. And I, I could be in the this, game. I could like, be. Oh boy, infrastructure! The game. That sounds amazing. Yes, I loved it. Yeah, my, I loved it. It's the only thing my dad ever encouraged me to play. And I think my favorite bit of trivia about that is that um, there was a planned new Nintendo Entertainment System version, uh, but it never came out. Hmm. And you can only see evidence of it now with high definition Seinfeld, because for some reason it's one of like four games Jerry Seinfeld has on his shelf. If you, which you you could never see when the show aired, uh-huh. but for some reason now on Hulu you can totally see everything on Jerry's shelf. Like <laughs> that's my copy of Tetris. <laughs> I keep it there at all times. I, uh, yes, who keeps their games on a bookshelf, Jerry? This uh, I'm is looking at games. a bunch of them right now. <laughs> oh no, no, those are the ones that are uh, the vintage ones that are covered. They're mm-hmm. displayed, but mm-hmm. with spines. No, no one's, <laughs> I was doing that. But SimCity is is 30 years old, and odds are, hey. so are you. Uh, <laughs> let's go out of 1989 with the gosh darn music. We've got new releases, including "Girl, You Know It's True," the debut of Millie Vanilli. Ironic. We are here. We did it. That's all I ever wanted to. Do. I can quit the show. Nothing's now. true. Uh, and as well as De La Soul's Three Feet High" and "Rising." What a bizarre juxtaposition of things. Yeah, the thing you could pick I these know. up on the same day. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Something super legit and the literal definition of not legit at all. <laughs> <laughs> and But we'll close out with Lost in Your Eyes by Debbie Gibson because that's number one. And again, there is no justice in the world. You just saw the Oscars. Uh, <laughs> I'll bring the mood back up. We hit 1999, so stay right there. Hey there, lovely listener. You got a dog in your life that you want to spoil? 
I wish I did, but I live in a city and it's impossible. But if that's not the case for you, know that this episode is brought to you by BarkBox. And if you go to getbarkbox.com slash laser time, you can try a free month for yourself. What is BarkBox? Well, it's a service that's committed to making dogs happy through delivering four to six natural treats and super fun toys, usually curated around a surprise theme each month, to your door for your pup. BarkBox ships to the U.S. and Canada and, and starts for as low as $20. And just know that you can select not only your dog's size, if your dog has any special allergies, you can let them know. They will ensure that your dog gets what's good for him. And you can even send stuff back if it's not jiving with your dog. Either way, know that all BarkBox's chews, treats, vitamins, toys, all the items in a BarkBox are wheat, corn, and soy-free, so you should rest a little easier. Give yourself or your pup the joy of a million belly scratches and give BarkBox a shot. And again, you listeners can get one month free of BarkBox by going to get barkbox.com slash laser time would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste no, 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 you're yeah, our, our Oscar, official Oscar historian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate also, it. people saying, oh, this Green Book's the worst Oscar, worst Best Picture winner of all time. Not even close. Yeah. Can you toss out some worse ones? Broadway Melody of 1929. Sure. Uh, Cavalcade. Greatest Show on Earth. Yeah, those all suck. Oh, The Greatest Show on Earth. I saw that recently. Wait, that is shit that is the circus ter- one? Yes, the Charlton oh Heston Circus God. one. Oh, my God. I saw that in gifted <laughs> class. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. sound like Getty Lee. Yes, he does. Thank okay. you. That's a Not good enough me. intro. That is, we're coming out with Placebo, Every You, Every Me, a song I love quite a bit because it's off a very special soundtrack. We'll mm-hmm. talk about it in just a second. Don't get ahead of us, people. Don't even look ahead to co- see what's coming out. I don't want you guys looking at any schedules. Mm-hmm. 30, 20, 10 is where you learn about anniversaries <laughs> all the time. <laughs> or where you correct us on things we miss, which I'll do, also do in the segments again. Yeah. I appreciate, I swear to God, I totally appreciate that. Like, if we miss something cool, make yeah. sure make sure to hit me up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you for reminding me. We missed something last week in 89. Oh, no. I can't believe we missed it. What at? Ah, I feel so stupid. So with the Grammys in 89, we were so distracted by DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince winning in the new rap category mm-hmm. that we totally missed the beginning of the heavy metal category. No, we missed the Metallica was defeated by Jethro Tull. Oh, Aquaman. people are still angry about that, it's, and we just we just we missed it. We were so distracted. It's ridiculous. There's, there's ah. more awards fervor this week. Uh, again, bonus time. Patreon.com. Slash laser time. Uh, yes. But, so you know, Tull, the the band that's fronted by a dude with a flute, <laughs> better than and Justice for All era Metallica. Not better, just, so just more metal. Way more metal. More metal. 
Uh, but that, yeah, we came in with placebo. Every You, Every Me off the Cruel Intentions soundtrack. There, I spoiled it. Uh, no! Angel of Mine by Brandy is still number one. We also have some new releases. 1999, March 1st to the 7th. Neon Ballroom by Silverchair. Holy okay. shit, that was huge. Wait, was it? No, that was thinking of the, it's the frog one that was huge. Uh, this is their follow. This is the one. Oh. This is the one with the song about anorexia, where the homeboy came out with right. anorexia. Oh, it was pretty crazy. Just cause, really? Yeah, because he was like a. They were a super young band. They were like fifteen. Um, what song is that? It's not An- Straight Lines, is it? Anna. I think it's called like Anna something. Okay. Also, Peasants, Pigs, and Astronauts by Kula Shaker. Uh, performance and Cocktails by Stereophonics and EP, the EP debut of Godspeed. You Black Emperor. <laughs> Slow Riot for uh, New Zero. Can- Canada? Can- Canada? Canada. Canada. Oh, huh, okay. Should have got that. But with a K. Should have got that. Da-da. And the only other thing I missed, and I'm just going to say it briefly because the ladies don't want to hear it. Uh, Mr. T won a wrestling match 30 years ago there. I didn't feel like bringing up the Saturday night main event. It's a wrestling show that happened in weeks SNL was off. So mm-hmm. it wasn't every week. Right. It was like every third week. And Mr. T uh, beat Bob Orton there. Mm-hmm. There. Now we're fully in 1999. Retractions out of the way until the video game part. Um, <laughs> because we got movies, baby. It's it's time. I don't want to talk about anything else except Cruel Intentions now, Cruel bitches. Intentions. Me too. Oh, my God. This movie. Um, yeah. I, 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 I know I've said stuff that, that came off bad. Mm-hmm. But I don't care because when you were a teenager, it was awesome to take a girl to Cruel Intentions because that always benefited you. Oh, it's the horniest movie. Yes. <laughs> always. Like it like within minutes of leaving the theater, is stuff is happening. Beautiful people are doing nasty things to each other emotionally mm-hmm. and physically. It, yes. This movie horny AF. And I only have oh, two yeah. examples and one but one was an ex who hated me. Mm. And Cruel Intention still did its job. <laughs> It did its job. Uh, Selma like Blair. Like Sex Panther. Yeah. <laughs> 50% of the time it works every time. Uh, Selma Blair, Reese Witherspoon, Ryan Felipe, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar in Cruel Intentions. I'm sick of sleeping with these insipid Manhattan debutantes. <laughs> Nothing shocks them anymore. Well, you can relax. I have a mission for you. Why I Plan to Wait by Annette Hargrove. Paradigm of chastity and virtue. Introduce her to your world of sex, drugs, and what else do you do? She's young, supple. She'll be my greatest victory. You don't stand a chance. Care to make a wager on that? If I win, then that hot little car of yours, mine. And if I win? I'll give you something you've been obsessing about ever since our parents got married. Now we're in modern porn territory. Thank goodness. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's <sighs> Diana. What's this a remake of? This is a remake of Dangerous Liaisons, which is a remake of a play, which is a remake of a book from 1790. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, La But it's an. It's an. It. I think it's an. At least it's an interesting uh, adaptation because mm-hmm. instead of yes. using like uh, high society powdered wig people, they use these. Horrible aristocratic children in like New York City. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And I think this is like my favorite Ryan Felipe role. Oh, a hundred percent sucks, and he's just yeah. awesome to watch be shitty the whole time. Yeah, um, maybe Way of the Gun. I haven't seen it in a while. He punches Sarah Silverman, which I know is inappropriate. Uh, but th- 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 <laughs> but this movie, and the only other thing I remember watching it like, why is the movie treating everyone else like they're hotter than Selma Blair? This is <laughs> bullshit. This is such I- bullshit. 
Oh, well, rewatching it, some of it made me think, like, is Selma Blair supposed to be, like, special needs? Like, sometimes <laughs> she's so stupid that, like, I'm a little worried for her. Also, I was so happy to see Selma Blair come out uh, during the Oscar parties yes. and stuff because she's been diagnosed with MS. She's rocking the what? cane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So happy for her. Oh, she has a that. tough road. I yeah, I love her. God she's, damn it. And, yeah, I mean, she's she's so goofy in this, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's so funny. You can hear her take a pratfall in that, in that, in that clip. <clears throat> yeah, but still really sexy. Yeah, totally. So, mm-hmm. oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what to say about this movie? It just fucking, it does it exactly what it sets out to do. Like, it's very it's a very successful movie, I think, for what the intent was for it. The intention. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The intention is, yeah, to remake Dangerous Liaisons, which means that Ryan Phillippe is tasked by a woman he wants to fuck, Sarah Michelle Gellar, who's actually a stepsister, to go, you know, seduce this sweet virgin Reese Witherspoon and then ruin her life. Yes. <laughs> to, to gamble uh, with another person's emotions, something rich people do for fun. Exactly. Exactly. And also along the way, he has to seduce Selma Blair as payback for Sarah Michelle Geller's ex-boyfriend, I think is how that works. But then so. Selma Blair's interested in this other guy. So there's, yeah, lots of fucking and double crossing. Yeah. Yes. Which are things I love. Yeah. And it, like this was kind of the heyday of taking works of literature and turning them into a teen movie in some way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and this. Yep, we got another big one of those coming like a month or so. Yeah. Oh, did I guess it? No. <laughs> it's a better one than that. Oh, okay. it's terrible, but yeah. it's a much better one. Okay. Uh, Batman and the Joker, or no, Robin and the Joker are friends in it, though. Um, but this is a, I like that it's serious. It's not a comedy. No. It's just no. going for it. There are comedic elements to it, but yeah, it's really No, I just don't it. remember being in the theater, like, thinking the people are as insufferable as I do now. Like, Oh, well, because they're children. Yeah. And that makes it even grosser. And yes, there you go. I Perfect. mean, the if we did not have Cruel Intentions, we would not have gotten Gossip Girl, which Gossip Girl is basically yeah. just Cruel Intentions, the TV show. Mm. And I am a huge fan mm. of Gossip Girl. And But I mean, like, even down, like, the villain on Gossip Girl, played by, or uh, Chuck Bass, who's played by um, Not a Good Guy, Kevin an James. actor whose name I can't remember. Steve No. Oh. Um, <laughs> He, the Chuck Bass in the in Gossip Girl, even his voice is modeled off of Ryan Felipe's voice. That's like it's, where your lips are kind of pursed at all times. Where you speak like Christian Bale doing an American accent at all times. <laughs> <laughs> this is bone. <laughs> uh, goodness, but I, I like I would definitely recommend this one over the next movie. Well, first we have to talk about the soundtrack to Cruel Intentions. Oh, sure, go for which it. Is, oh yes phenomenal probably my favorite oh it was like one of the first cds i've ever soundtracks were like crazy expensive like they were always like 17.99 but every song on it is great i like the first song is placebo and it's such i love that fucking song we were talking about it off mic it is the most evocative 90s late 90s song we could it is 99 wrapped up in a fucking bow the whole thing it's perfect. I guess maybe there could be like a new metal song on there to make it even more so. I mean, but it's got Bittersweet, yeah. Symphony, Praise You, uh, Coffee and TV. By Blur, a fucking by great Blur, song. By Blur, yep. Colorblind by Counting Crows. Coming Up From Behind yeah. by um, Marcy Playground. One of my favorite yeah. books, or excuse me, one of my favorite um, songs of all time, Trip on Love by Abra Moore. 
I've never heard of this person or band before in my life. It's like a different language when you said that. But this song is fantastic. I played it at my wedding for my best friend that I danced <laughs> to. And he and I were out there dancing for longer than my husband and I danced together at my wedding. <laughs> you didn't realize, you didn't remember that Freebird solo they cut out of the end credits. Yeah. <laughs> also, You Could Make a Killing by Amy Mann is on it. This is the most late 90s soundtrack ever, and I'm here for yeah. it. It is splendid. This is one of those where it's like, I knew people who hadn't watched this movie on <laughs> this soundtrack because it just became really popular because it was like, it's got a little of everything. Mm -hmm. That's why it was so... It's good, like, chilling out music. I'd hear it in the background of parties and stuff because it's not, like, never too loud, never too quiet. It was really good ambient music yep. there. That's yeah. why I said but yeah, yeah, when I was getting into music and buying CDs, I, I usually always went for soundtracks because you could kind of spread it around. It was less of a gamble, yeah. mm -hmm. and you get you get more for your buck. And, and it's a good I'm, way to get into other bands, right? And now and, and now I'm buying yeah. vinyl and I'm doing it again. Like yeah. I just I don't want to. Ooh, forty dollars for this one artist? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean mm -hmm. this sound this soundtrack was a gateway for me to a lot of the artists on here, um, including tied for my. Uh, I have so many favorite songs, but I really also recommend mm -hmm. Secretly by Skunk Anansi. It's excellent as well as a song. Like, I'm sorry. I just uh, love it so much. Sounds like, he sounds like, was that the person who played Ryan Phillippe's best friend? <laughs> Skunk. Uh, anyway, anyway, Cruel Intentions. Hey, I don't, I don't know that it got to be number one at the box office, though. It stuck around mm. because, like, if you were high school age, like, everybody mm -hmm. was talking about this. Mm -hmm. You had to go see it. Every girl wanted somebody to take to go see it. That's I, I am not a Lothario. That's but that's how I got to take two women to see it. I yeah. want to see Cruel Intentions. I had like, to see it by myself. Oh, yep. poor even Sarah. though it was an R. Ooh, it was a hard R. But like you only have to be uh, seventeen. It's not even that hard of an R. Right? There's no nudity. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's nudity. I think it's just for swearing and topic adult situations and sensual adult lesbian situations. kissing oh yeah there you go yep. there you go that was a oh yeah that is a good lady on lady kissing yeah and a good just basic primer on how, how to french kiss yeah true. You didn't know. true so if you're paying attention to the show 10 years ago interracial kiss <laughs> 10 years later uh girl on girl kiss yeah like some people are mad <laughs> some people are reconciling things with themselves uh <laughs> but actually number one of the box office this week You've earned it. Um, uh. <laughs> Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal and analyze this. He's a mob boss with a problem. I got stress. Robert De Niro. You are my shrink. Billy Crystal. You don't hear the word no very often, do you? Analyze this. I hear it all the time, only it's more like, no, please, no, no. Rated R. Sneak preview Saturday, February 27th. Stop. Okay, that's my hot take. I don't hate this. Oh. At all. I do not like this. It got a tremendously bad sequel like one of the worst sequels i've ever seen to anything in my entire life mm -hmm. but i like i have evidence i can show you out in the garage my dad handed me back my old dvd cases and i'm collecting every movie robert de niro has ever made mm. and then, th Lord, then this ca then this came out and like it's a comedy he's never been in a fucking comedy before he's funny in cape mm -hmm. fear don't get me wrong <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah like but this this i don't know it's it's him it's it's his uh, uh uh what do you call it? It's him making fun of the character he people think he always plays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh Billy Crystal is just whatever he's I don't hate Billy Crystal. I ain't that much of a millennial. Yeah. Like uh his Billy face Crystal, still look, looks normal at this point. It does. He it does. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't look like a fat poodle. But uh <laughs> but uh I think it's Harold Ramis is like highest grossing movie. Seriously? Yeah. He didn't direct wow. Ghostbusters. 
He only wrote it. Yeah, um, I think I think you might be right. Groundhog Day was made money, but not a ton of money. Respectable. Mm. And and we yeah. can't. I have to say it, given how much we talked about the show a few few weeks ago. This was like capitalizing, uh, uh, like unintentionally, on the Sopranos. Because yes. I've always I, I've always wondered about that because this is knowing how long it takes to make a movie. Yeah. How. Did, was the Sopranos in production and they decided, oh, that's a funny idea. I already have a script for that. No, it, it's I totally mean, parallel. Fi- file, they or... even share cast members. Yeah. Because like the Sopranos yeah. pilot was shot even further a year ago back. Uh, it was just in production for a long time. It, like that's how you end up with Harold Ramis on this. You know, it's not his project. Uh, it's just something that fell in his lap. I mean, I think for a long time. I think it's gone out of favor now, but for a long time, like traditional mob stuff was pretty evergreen. People always wanted the yeah. stories. I don't know that they mm-hmm. did at this point because it, it was kind of a dead genre. Really? Yeah, the mob stuff in the yeah. '90s, absolutely. And like, uh, yeah, Mickey Blue there hasn't been that much mob stuff in the '90s. You're right. There's, I mean, there's my ex's favorite movie here uh, and there. Obviously, Scorsese kept it going with like you know Goodfellas, Casino. But I feel like we moved. Well, we moved yeah, into the talkie hitmen. Casino's ninety five. Yeah, like the, we weren't doing yeah. mob stuff. Mm. You're right. Actually, the Tarrant that's kind of mobby. Mm-hmm. That's loosely mm-hmm. connected, mm-hmm. but not the Italian mobsters. We weren't doing that shit. In this, yep. pl- pleasantly makes fun of all that shit. Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not These a, horrific murders. It's not. A, it's, <laughs> They're it's, adorable. It's not a horrible film. It's got a funny ending. Yeah. Uh, it's it's. Yeah. Hey, I will always have good things to say about Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, and I love when Lisa Kudrow is in anything, and she was the best part of this for me. And Chaz Palminteri. Yeah. Yay. He was a cripple. That's from Usual Suspects. Leave mm. me alone. I uh, don't yeah. want to quote any more Brian Singer movies. But I do love the next season on Sopranos. It's like, because I was like, can you really. You know, I don't know how this shit works. It's just like, I'm in love with The Sopranos. There's a new episode this week. We'll talk about it in a second. And this is the same fucking concept. And mm-hmm. it's playing it like, a, it's so that like the first episode of the next episode of Sopranos, when he stops seeing Dr. Melfi's interviewing new therapists, he's like, Mr. Soprano, you are too hot. I cannot see you. And look, I've seen Analyze This. What the fuck? That was a comedy. <laughs> that was a fucking comedy. It's a great line making fun of this movie very briefly. But mm-hmm. I but I think there yeah, I think it shares cast members too with the Sopranos. Now how about analyze this? To. I swear it's not as bad as you think it is just because we all hate Billy Crystal now. Um No, I mean I, I and, and Robert De Niro know. doing comedy isn't a weird thing. Here, like it was some De Niro was a bankable star people would pay to go see, and yeah. he had never really done this before. I it's it's fucking it's it, at the time I thought it was amazing. Uh, I, I'm not. <laughs> don't want to totally take a stand for it, but like, uh, yeah, I think it's all right. Uh, but the, analyze that. I, I I don't know of mo- a movie that I've hated more. It is so bad. Yeah, so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move into television of 1999 because March 1st sees the Hercules finale. Is that Disney or Sorbo? <laughs> I think it's Sorbo. You know what? I'm not sure. <laughs> Let me go look. I think that's Disney because we're gonna lose Hercules: The Legendary Journeys in November. Oh, the world had so, so much Hercules just for a little bit. Yeah. A brief shining moment. Also out this week, King of Queens, rainy day. Yep. Just when you thought the crossovers were over. <laughs> nope. They, uh, it's a, another crossover with, of course, the everyone, everybody loves Raymond. No! Yeah. Where <laughs> Kevin James's character is supposed to do something with his friend. And then Ray Romano calls him and asks him to go to a, a sports game. <laughs> Sports game. <laughs> okay. Blanking on which one right now. And so he has to choose between that. Meanwhile, Ray Romano's mother, what? Doris, com- 
Doris Roberts mm-hmm. comes over and teaches um, Kevin James's wife how to clean. I don't know anyone's characters' names apparently <laughs> today. I cannot think Scientology of Scientology lady. I cannot think of anyone's character names, but I Pretty think we Scientology all figured lady. it out. <laughs> um. <laughs> just a crossover event after last week. Mm. It's a crossover mm. event. Tell me this is a, a crossover from Fresh Prince on March 1st. Matter no, new episode. it is it. not, actually. It, I think an even more interesting reoccurring character on Mad About You that I did not realize this person was a reoccurring character on Mad About oh. You. But Uncle Someone's Phil... parents were not fans of Mad About You because <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Phil is... Um, Paul Reiser's uncle who shows up from time to time and in this one apparently we find out that he never finished high school mm-hmm. and he wants to go back to school and uh, I guess get his diploma and he's very very old. Do a triple Lindy? Uh, what, what, where's this gonna go? Yeah. He's very old. Okay, excuse me, I just want to take out a few things from my pencil box. just want to make sure I have my my ruler, my pencil, my, my erase in case I make a mistake. I'm never without my compass, you have to have your compass. You must know where True North is or else you'll end up living in South Jersey. <laughs> All right. I am ready. Okay. Class. Picking up where we left off. On March 11th, 1942, MacArthur left the Philippines for Australia, proclaiming, I shall return. Wrong. <laughs> Never said it. Excuse me? Never said it. Wrong. Never said it. I was there. He didn't say that. What MacArthur actually said was, people of the Philippines, wonderful working with you. And I'll see you around. Mel Brooks, the oldest, funniest man alive. Yeah. Oh. Hell yeah. Yep. This is how he got his, uh, his egot. Oh, is oh, it? Actually, it? it turns out he had had an Emmy before. I thought that oh. he got he got an Emmy for Show as shows? a guest actor oh, okay. uh, on this. Um, wow. It turns out, oh shit, he actually got an Emmy uh, back in the sixties for Caesar yep. stuff. Uh, no, sixty-seven. So I'm not sure what that's for. Get smart. Maybe. Maybe we talked about or a get special smart of some kind. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Whatever. Mel Brooks is an EGOT winner, and he's amazing. He's in his nineties, and he, if he dies, uh, I will riot. The speaking <laughs> of. Speaking of specials, yeah. Oh boy. Well, I bring this up because this is such a relic. Yeah. So we talked about before, like where Celine, Celine Dion came out with an album, so they just gave her, I think, two specials, or she just gets on stage and sings, and we get to see it again on March third with Shania Twain, Winter Break, <laughs> just in time what? for March. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, where she goes to Miami mm-hmm. and sings with a bunch of other people. Yeah. Probably Why? makes fun of Brad like, Pitt if he shows up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not impressed, man. Not nah, impressed. Not impressed. Nah. I think I pulled a little bit of the promo. CBS rocks with this year's double Grammy winner, Shania Twain, and special guest, Elton John. Shania Twain's first network special, CBS Wednesday. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I believe her. I believe her, and again, to to, to just so you, we don't overshadow her importance, I I think she has like one of the top ten albums of all time. Oh yeah, the top fifteen, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I mean, whatever that album was, I totally forgot. Forget now. I know what it looks like. Yeah, uh, but it has all those songs we just made fun of. I love Shania Twain. She mm-hmm. just one of my best friends just went to her concert. Really? Yeah, she's, she's still, still doing, doing stuff. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, but is she watching on March sixth? Sons of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> 
the what? world premiere, uh, the spinoff of Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> yep. I don't have much information oh about this. Only had six episodes. Mm-hmm. Couldn't really tell you much what it was about, but I threw it in here hoping someone who listens has watched these and can tell us Go to bat for it. Tell us it's garbage. I'm very curious. I think this is too ironic. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody can watch a Walker, Texas Rangers come up. of Thunder. I believe that was the name of the, the, the band in Airheads that Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler were in. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no. No, it was the Lords of Thunder, and they were mad at that no, band. No. They, they were the Lone Rangers. Rangers? They were. Yeah. The Sons of Thunder was the band they were making fun of in the beginning because they were a, a giant buff metal band mm-hmm. who wore tiki outfits. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Seen that movie a lot when we get to talk about it. Oh, not for years. Uh, but okay, now a very special episode. A very special episode. Oh, it, Boca. We've been we've been trying. I've been trying not to talk about every episode of The Sopranos because it'll come out thirteen weeks, no break. Same. They're all really yeah, good. Yeah. But, but this Boca one, I could not resist. <sighs> uh, mainly because of. I mean, there's always several storylines going on. One of the main ones here, Meadows soccer coach i think uh is found mm-hmm. out that she, he had been sleeping with Actually, one of her not teammates anymore it, like, yeah it's fucking, ugh. Ugh. <laughs> just super gross but then also uncle jr goes down to boca with his uh goes down lover <laughs> and a secret comes out because women be talking oh women be talking and I, I love this because like i i watched this with some of the knowledge in my head at the time that they're saying the wrong things yeah but like the show really did did it never let you forget these all these people are pieces of shit with a very very old world attitude yeah and, and even mm-hmm. at the time like this is fucking stupid i did not realize this was mm-hmm. an attitude people held. Mm-hmm. To be honest, yeah. I just thought Conolingus uh, is always <laughs> on the table. <laughs> oh, God. Sounds like somebody's in a happy marriage. I just did um, not realize that people <laughs> felt this way about this thing. Hey, you got to give to receive. Right. <laughs> that applies so, to everybody. Of course, they're all busting J- Uncle Junior's balls on it. So I grabbed a little clip of the best oh. of that. Whoa, Junior. Junior what? Uncle June's in a muff. What? What's that smell? Did you guys go to a sushi bar? The fuck's he talking about? I thought you were a bacala man, Uncle June. What are you doing eating sushi? <laughs> you fucking run off at the mouth, you know that? To the border where the tuna fish play. That is is still, hats off to Tony in character. That is a lot of vagina references. And let me also say, hats off to the title of this episode, Boca, which means mouth. Yes. It's all about how how Junior has found the woman. I never thought about that. The woman of his dreams. And then she tells the other housewives that he went down on her. Mm-hmm. And that is apparently that's a big a masculine he, no-no that we don't do that. He goes down on her and Even that's Tony's like, like part of their love life. Not only You're not going around telling anybody about our love life, are you? He's like, yeah. oh yeah, once a year on my birthday. <laughs> Tony. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and then he throws a pie in her face at the end and ruins the best relationship he ever had. Oh my God, that, that pie scene is so sad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking tragic. That's why all these people are just... Garbage so watchable piece of shit. I love this show. Yeah, it's so good. Ugh. Yeah, but uh, I totally somehow I forgot about the the plot with the soccer coach, mm-hmm. where it starts out like, oh no, he's leaving for another job, and it's one of it's one of the stories they had a bunch of different times of someone 
who just by nature of having any contact with these mob people have their life fucking ruined. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And this guy. No, no, you can't leave for this other job. We're going to convince you to stay here. I bought you a big TV. No, it's for you. Oh, your dog's missing. Oh, that's terrible. I wonder where he could have gone. This, this show like, oh my god, his life is going to be ruined now. And that's 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 another thing the show does. That's in addition to being a fun family drama, a workplace comedy. Just when the mob infiltrates the real world, because mm-hmm. they're all mm-hmm. no one really shows that in any other mob movies. That they're all right. like rich suburbanites. So like. Their kids got to go to school. Yeah, and stuff. Like, I'm gonna go yep. in Starbucks and just break a bunch of shit. Yeah. Shit up an eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's called espresso. We invented this. Uh, but books, books of 1999. Oh, just a little mm. one that I'm a big fan of, Chocolat uh, by yeah, Joanne Harris, which is be, later becomes the uh, motion picture with Johnny Depp and mm. Julia Binoche. But yeah, this book is great. I like to revisit it around this time of year because it's set during Lent, um, which is mm. it. You know, it's a story of a little French village where this woman moves here with her daughter and she opens up a chocolate, a chocolatier, basically. And these are like the most delicious, wonderful candies you've ever tasted. And the whole town is enchanted. A romantic drifter comes into town who maybe of, I think maybe actually a Romany descent is like part of the storyline, I think. Um, And that's Johnny Depp's character in the movie. And meanwhile, it's this is all kind of happening during Lent, which is usually for Catholics a season of self-reflection and self-denial. Mm-hmm. And so the local priest is like railing against this woman coming no in kids here for the month. tempting everyone. Got to make him sound like a rabbi. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Needs to be more French. But yeah, it's a great book. It's very charming. I definitely recommend it. It's a very fast read. And we'll be talking about the movie, I'm sure, in the next couple of years. So mm. um uh, yeah, yeah. I believe great. we have it next year, yeah. and uh, pretty much the only thing I remember out of it is uh, Alfred Molina as the bad guy, and then he ends up uh, looking like Augustus Gloop. Yes, basically, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and this book does like one of my favorite things in literature, which is give amazing descriptions of food. I mm. love like the way they describe the candies and the chocolates and the pastries. That's like I took a class automatic thumbs up for me. I took a food fucking class in it. It was it was about travel fiction, but it was mostly about describing oh, food because, because most of travel is food. Yeah, for yeah, me like, at least. Yeah, this building was shittier than they are here, but the food. Yes, let's <laughs> talk about the food. bread. Crackalack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, rough transition to games. Uh, sort of Gex Three Deep Cover Gecko is out. Is this the last Gex game? What? Um, Gex baby, Gex. It's Gex to me is only important because uh. Uh, one of my favorite comics now, but a, just a man who generally haunted me was uh, Dana Gould, mm-hmm. uh, and, mm-hmm. and he's yep. also the first that I know of in a console game, the first celebrity person to voice a video game character mm. in a game series uh-huh. that is not good. But he also clearly wrote it because there's a lot of odd clip, uh, odd quips with references to I Dream of Genie and fucking Adam's Family and Brady Bunch. Uh, he clearly wrote it, but this is the third in. I don't know if it's the last game, but um, whatever. Yes, it comes out. The game I missed last week, Siphon Filter. I never mm. liked this game. It was uh, the first of many annual sequels from what I thought at the time was Sony's first party way of ripping off Metal Gear Solid from last year. Kind of a masterpiece, mm. but uh, creating a espionage action. I don't think it succeeded in that, but only in Japan, as promised, uh, you had this wonderful, wonderful game character come to light. Uh, we streamed it on youtube.com slash laser time. You can look for it there. Pepsi Man! Yeah, that's Pepsi Man. Ah, oh, 
about bringing it back to the 80s full circle what oh yeah pepsi man i <laughs> forgot i could have i could have teased it then pepsi man is a exclusive to japan pepsi mascot that is a faceless silver cg person who delivers pepsi almost exclusively to americans who don't speak any english uh, and he got his own PlayStation game. And the only thing that makes it really bizarre is that it is a very competent free runner. Hmm. The kind of game you see huh. every four really? seconds on the iPhone. And 20 years ago, that's all you did is run forward and move from left to right and jump. That's what that's what did. Uh, but it's it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. A, a video game starring a Japanese-only mascot for Pepsi. Yeah. And he magically fills up people's drinks with Pepsi. It's watch the commercials; they're really dumb. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we gotta we have to say goodbye to 1999. What do we want to close out with? Marcy Playground or Abramor? I'll leave it up to Sarah. I mean, my votes for Trip on Love is Trip one on- of my favorite I, songs of all time. If it's been played at a wedding, I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. Between this, I for, think we're going out. It was played at my wedding during the traditional dance between a woman and her best gay friend. We all had Aww. these, right? <laughs> Obviously. Yes. Yes. My, my, I mean, take away my head card if I don't. I have to shout out my BFF. Dan, he and I would slow dance to this song on the top of the parking garage at FSU, our freshman year of college, every month or so. Aww. <laughs> Sucks for me that I'm my gayest friend in that I've given up on women. <laughs> uh, but... Now I'm generally my gayest friend these days, too. It's sad. <laughs> well, let's close out with some uh, Trip on Love by Abramore, as promised. And we see you, we'll see you once again in 2009. Please don't go away. I hope you're well rested because if you're not, oh man, this is going to be the perfect sponsor for today. Casper Mattresses. Yes, Casper Mattresses, baby. Offering you one hell of a sleep experience for an outrageously reduced cost. And even better than that, if you go to caspertrial.com slash laser time, you can get $50 towards any mattress that you want right now. And when I say any mattress, I mean from twin to California king. And if you don't know what Casper Mattresses are... Uh, They are mattresses that combine high-density memory foam and premium latex to create a sleep surface that contours to your body and keeps you cool and balanced through the night. Casper's dug deep into the science of sleep, and they're trying to offer you a better mattress at a much better cost. And one of the ways Casper has cut out the cost is by not having stores throughout the entire country. Instead, they ship the mattress right to you. As a result, Casper mattresses are up to a quarter of the price that you'll find in most big box stores, and even better than that. And if you have any reservations of a mattress being shipped to your house, Casper knows that, and that's why they've provided you with a hundred night risk-free trial you don't like the casper mattress give them a call they'll come pick it up for you get rid of it and give you a full refund if you're in the market for a new mattress please consider casper and even better go to caspertrial.com slash laser time to get 50 dollars towards any new mattress Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of March 1st through the 7th, oh my gosh, I have so many things to recommend. 
holy cow, this is like one of the best weeks ever. Anyway, how about uh, we'll start 80 years ago this week, March 3rd, 1939, saw the release of Stagecoach, the John Ford movie that's kind of a perfect Western, and you've sort of, it's, 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 I can't say that it's been ripped off so many times that you feel like you've seen it, but it's, it's just pretty much perfect. It's how to make a movie. Ford knew exactly where to put a camera and what to do, and he knew how to make John Wayne look like a star, and it's interesting, fun characters, one of the, you know, classic American movies, totally recommend. Stagecoach. Obvi. Then, uh, 50 years ago this week, 1969, uh, saw the release of The Prime of Miss Jean Brody, which I always thought would be, like, the stuffiest, most British movie ever, and it kind of is, but, uh, it's really cool to see Maggie Smith young, uh, and she's really, really good in it. And then, because we lost them so close together, it kills me that in the last couple of weeks we lost Albert Finney and Stanley Donnan, Stanley Donnan had just an amazing career. So even though I recommended him back in uh, 1967, or well, 2017, to talk about 1967, I recommended Two for the Road with Albert Finney and Audrey Hepburn, directed by Stanley Donnan. I have to recommend it again because we both, we, we lost both of them so close together and it just hurts. And Two for the Road is one of the best relationship movies I think I've ever seen. And it reminds me so much of Eternal Sunshine that it's kind of hard to explain, you know, it's about a couple and it sort of goes back through several periods of their time together and we see like how their relationship evolves and starts to fall apart and where the friction comes from. It's also shot gorgeous French countryside and Audrey Hepburn wears these crazy Paco Rabanne outfits. So if you ever wanted to see her in like a wet leather suit, here's your movie. Anyway, uh, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Do I need to tell you who this is? Because it sounds like a parody of U2, which can only mean it's 2009 U2. Welcome to 2009, everybody. Uh, of course, we're coming in with Get On Your Boots, a song I've never heard of uh, from the album No Line on the Horizon by U2. This is not the one they forced on your iPhone. That was the next album. No. And, yes. And the, I, I'll take it out of news. The only thing I read that distinguished this is that U2 is the only band to do a residency on the David Letterman show. Hmm. They performed right. five consecutive right. nights to promote this album every night. Lots of songs wow. from this album. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that people haven't heard yet. And uh, I, I don't know. Every time I'm like, God, U2 would like, man, eh, you worked. Because they were pro- they promoted on the Today Show while they were in New York, they yeah. they, they work pretty hard. They work real hard. The, yeah, the only mm-hmm. reason I know about this song and even this album really mm-hmm. is because I listened to you talking you two to me. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> but uh, they have a new album out this week. But there's some other new releases from bands you might remember, like The Prodigy, Invaders Must Die. That's you could probably replace "Smack My Bitch Up" with those lyrics and get it played in elementary school. <laughs> uh, Middle Cyclone by Nico Case is out, and uh, Fine Fascination by Red Light Company. Right Round by Flo Rida is still number one. Uh, we have some news to soak you in, uh, to inundate you oh, in 2009. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, would you like me to take this? Because yeah. I, I tried to make this as short as possible, but there's just so much to dig into. So everyone get ready to get upset about something because March 2nd, 2009, insurance giant American International Group, AIG, reports a $61.7 billion loss for the fourth quarter. 
of 2008. The federal government, which has already provided the company with a $60 billion loan, starts giving AIG another $30 billion, making it the largest company loan the government has ever provided during a bailout. Uh, less than two weeks later, AIG announces they will pay top executives more than $165 million in bonuses. Well, that, that I understand, but the other part sounds like socialism. Uh-huh. And then uh, Obama and the Treasury Department uh, moved to block them. Uh, so they don't get quite as big a bonus as they wanted for... What the um, fuck? I wasting mean, $61 billion. It's, like, it's within our right to write. We can do it anytime we'd like. It just, mm-hmm. It's a matter of being pushed too far. We're almost there, people. Can't wait. Grab, yeah. grab your pitchforks. Uh, oh, no. Pitchfork. I got a guillotine on a little red wagon I've been working on. <laughs> I have I have a just a bunch of water balloons filled with piss. I feel like that's that's the way I want to go about freeze this. Them. That's good. She freeze them. That's a good way. Ooh, Ooh frozen piss. Wow. That's right. So it's nice and fresh wow. when I get there in the morning. Yeah. Uh, on March 6, U.S. unemployment hits uh, eight, 8.1%, the highest since 1983. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. If cool. you remember, <laughs> according to our current president's logic, this is all the fault of the new president. Yes. <laughs> he, uh-huh. right. He's been in office for a few months. Therefore, he he deserves all the credit yeah. and blame. Uh, yeah, I I have a, a particular gripe against AIG, which is literally the one they said was too big to fail. They said mm-hmm. if this one goes, everything is so fucked because it's so involved in all these other companies and every kind of business. They the first after their first bailout, uh, a bunch of documents leaked showing oh even after as they were getting bailed out, they were having like a corporate retreat that wasted a ton of money, Oof. and I was in a business that planned corporate retreats and stuff. So we looked at the raw documents in the office oh. and we were all screaming because I think smokinggun.com got them. And it was like how they had a bunch of empty hotel rooms and they didn't cancel them before the cutoff date. And like all this basic bitch stuff that you're supposed to know <laughs> when you're doing event planning. And it was like, no, it, they were, they weren't even spending this money. They were just wasting it. They, they bought like, Two dozen empty hotel rooms, and uh, just then they kept paying for the food for the empty hotel rooms. Fuck AIG. <sighs> mm. I, uh, we, like anyway. it, it's taking me a long time. AIG, also known as Manchester United. Like, <laughs> that's that's how I know them. I've never heard of them other than on the jersey of UK soccer players. Uh. Uh, because they don't have They're names, they have logos. Financial insurance, blah blah blah. Hedge funds. Uh, they, they do everything that I don't understand, but apparently makes a lot of money. Well, it's some mildly more pleasant news. Uh, YouTube just okay. broke a record: a hundred million video views in a single month. Wow. They hit that uh, in January of '09. Uh, it's all been confirmed and checked out by Comscore. And nobody else has ever done that. Not a single site mm. at all. And uh, like, e- even Hulu is way behind. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 100 million video views. I have to imagine it's even more. Um, just make sure you police your own comments. Otherwise, demonetized. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Just a mm. content creator's burden. Movies of 2009. Oh, boy. Is this, is this yeah. all awful until the last one? Uh, Sherman's yeah. Way. Uh, I'm not going to read these people's yeah. names. I don't know who they are. Yeah, let's get let's get three of these out of the way really quickly. At least Sherman's way uh, is a guy who has no spontaneity, and then he ends up going on a road trip and starts becoming spontaneous, and uh, good things happen in his life, I guess. Um, <laughs> Horseman, which is a worst Marvel torture... movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, it's a torture porn slash detective movie with Dennis Quaid and Zhang Shiyi. Um whatever he's a detective and they're they're torturing people that's terrible 
And uh, Phoebe in Wonderland is about Elle Fanning is a little kid with Tourette syndrome. Um, and then she starts, uh, she gets into the school play, um, but like she has some like developmental or not developmental. She's some, some, you know, like she acts out and stuff and her mom, Felicity Huffman doesn't want, you know, people to think that she's weird and has never told her that it's Tourette's that she has because she doesn't want him to be labeled. And um, it sounds like it's pretty good. Heartwarming. Mm -hmm. Heartwarming was like the number one thing I read about it, which is like, okay. And it's got okay. Patricia Clarkson and Campbell Scott and Bill Pullman. And, uh, these are all people I like. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Mm -hmm. If you have Tourette's, just start a podcast. That's what we're all doing, baby. Mm -hmm. I'm rewarded yep. for screaming out profanity mm -hmm. and non sequiturs. Well, that's not just what Tourette's is, though. That's all I know about it because of this movie and your description. So you're partially... <laughs> No, well, a lot of times there's, you know, it's, uh, there's compulsive behaviors or you might have like a twitch or you might have a cough or mm -hmm. you might, sometimes it's involuntary. Sometimes it's like psychologically involuntary. It forces it's me very to complicated. constantly drink It's beer. not just yelling poop all the time. <laughs> yelling poop. Uh, poop. Uh, and then what's the, what's the, what's the last one? You even added a trailer for it. And then, okay, because the this is actually like a pretty good movie that got like awards and shit a bit. Uh, Young Victoria starring Emily Blunt, Rupert Friend, Miranda Richardson, Jim Broadbent, Paul Bettany, Mark Strong. Guess who it's about? I pray for the strength to meet my destiny. Prince Albert. Do you ever feel like a chess piece in a game being played against your will? Do you? Constantly. Get out of my way! <laughs> But sometimes I feel quite alone in the world. Never while I'm here, Your Majesty. You had better master the rules of the game until you play it better than they can. You don't recommend I find a husband to play it for me. I should find one to play it with you, not for you. Snore. See, this is what I thought the favorite was going to be. No, yeah. So that's, uh -huh. <laughs> that's why I didn't Quite the opposite. Uh, yeah, no, it's about, you know, so it's Queen not Victoria, about a young Victoria so. Jackson before SNL. I am disappointed. No, that's what I was hoping for, too. No, I mean, obviously, the costumes and the horse drawn characters really made me think <laughs> it was about her. Um, no, it's about, you know, Queen Victoria was like 19 or something when she became queen, and that's like weird. A lot mm -hmm. of pressure on a girl. Sure. She was treated really weird in childhood because it was like, you're the only one left, you're like the only heir. And it's all about her, like, trying to get her mom to get off her fucking back and let her be queen and shit. God, it's Emily mom. Blunt. Everyone loves her. <laughs> mom, yeah. I don't want to do that. Take that wig oh off. My God, man. Mom, you're embarrassing me. So I'm guessing oh that's, God. that's... I'm trying to be queen over her. That sounds like counter-programming <laughs> to the, the big new release of the week. Very, which yes. Very much. It's, this is one of those things that like, even beyond like all the great Marvel movies that we've had, I still... I wanted this so bad and still can't believe it. We got it ten years ago and it was fine, mm -hmm. and no one talks about it ever. It uh, is it is pretty bizarre because I was not super emotionally invested in the source material as much as other people I was friends with were, and I saw it in IMAX with a group of people, mm -hmm. and everyone came out of it and was like, "Okay," and then that was it. And I was like, "You guys were real hyped for this." It's it's. Okay, it's too long yeah. to revisit very regularly mm -hmm. and doesn't have a fun ending that to leave you one. So you have to be in for some real long and dark shit because, and one of the things I would praise this thing the most for is the casting. Mm -hmm. uh, Carla Giacchino, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who I'd never seen before, Matthew Good, Daniel Bad, no, just Matthew Good, <laughs> uh, Malin Ackerman, 
Jackie Earl Haley is this mm-hmm. is this his reintroduction into society? Yes. Uh, what up from Billy Crudup? Um, and Patrick Wilson in Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Someone's picking off costumed heroes. Why is that? Watchmen are over. Someone wants us out of the way. What do you suggest we do about retribution? theaters on IMAX March 6th. So this is about as right as you can make a Watchmen. And further to the point of bashing DC movies, this is the only DC movie Zack Snyder ever should have made. Mm. It's the only one he's equipped to make. And it's it's perfect. Everything I hate about his Superman and Batman depictions are because of how well he did the Watchmen. Because... He's yeah, a cynical because man. Because Watchmen is supposed to be grim and cynical. Superman, not so much. Batman, yeah. maybe a little bit. I don't know what happened to it. In, uh, in, in, I feel like this is a, it, it is flawed. Oh, totally. But, totally. But it has but it has sequences as, that are that, as about as good as you could do Watchmen, I guess. It has sequences ah! that nail everything. Like most things, I think are important. Mm-hmm. Yes, it has a bad Leonard Cohen sex scene. That is That's not, so embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. It's, it's, it's not just bad, it is embarrassing. They made Pat, poor Patrick Wilson gain weight to do that. Oof. <laughs> to get naked, bone on his night owl ship. To hallelujah. Wait, is that? No, no, that's not the right song. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, right. Is. That's yeah. It. Uh, yeah, All right. It, so obviously it's an adaptation of Alan Moore's legendary comic book. Alan Moore did give him the Watchmen with Alan Moore's name removed as he requested. Because uh, he is yeah. Sarah doesn't know this. He's a big cantankerous fuck. And and from the comic perspective, oh, yeah. I don't know what happened to DC's rebirth. But I remember reading that first issue where at the end Batman finds a Watchmen button, and it, I don't know what happened. But the rule of thumb was that like the cynicism and realism that Watchmen held up to superheroes had infected DC's comic book stuff for mm-hmm. thirty years. Hmm. The idea of like that's not what it would be like to be a superhero. You'd be arrested. Yeah, that happens mm-hmm. in The Watchmen, or you'd be murdered by somebody. And then the fun comics got tainted with Alan Moore's cynical version ah. of this the superhero universe. And it seemed like DC was trying to shake off the realism and cynicism that, that, that The Watchmen put on it. And I don't know whatever happened to that comic series, because DC is still fucking great at comics, for the most part. Uh, but... This, this movie, I didn't want to see it happen at all, because I didn't think it could be done well. And I... I Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was pretty. I really hate the ending. I hate it a lot. Uh, mm. the, the ending. I mean, some people complain because they changed the ending. My problem isn't that they changed the ending to make it more cinematic. They changed the ending, and it sort of doesn't logically hold up. It doesn't logically hold up, and it leaves one of the main characters culpable for something he didn't do, and therefore in a completely different place than when we left him in the comic books. Because hmm. the the movie yeah. the movie ends with the. Uh, uh, that, that's that's the cynical version of Alan Moore. The, obviously, the most charismatic superhero would be pretty much a corporate villain in disguise. Mm. And uh, he perpetuates a ex- kind of an extinction-level event on Earth. In the comics, it's just this giant tentacle monster thing. You don't see it attack. It's just like a... like a, a, a No Country for Old Men. You just see like the, the wreckage. There's just like dead tentacles in the street. Mm-hmm. And this one, they just blame it on Dr. Manhattan. Which I only hate because Doctor Manhattan—that's the part I think they nail, and they but they focus like forty mm. minutes on just Doctor Manhattan, uh, but he is the most right. interesting Watchman. Hmm. And it's, yeah. it's Billy yeah, Crudup. I mean, and and he's and, the 
the analog of, you know, like a Superman. He's literally right. a Superman. Here's where I think that fails is that the plan in the comics is we can bring world peace if we think there is an outside threat. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make it look like this inter, you know, interdimensional monster just blew up millions of people. The Earth will unite to prepare for a coming invasion or something. And it'll make the world better, even at the cost of millions of lives. And in this, instead of doing the to the giant monster, they do it to um, Doctor. They do it to one of the main characters. They, they they do it to Doctor Manhattan. Here's the problem, though. Doctor Manhattan has been an agent of the U.S. government right. for like forty years. So why doesn't everyone just nuke us in retaliation? Mm. And uh, we're the bad guy. I mean, really, it's it should be it's supposed to be Doctor Manhattan's the bad guy, but really, it sounds like America's the bad guy. So I think it, yes, this, everyone should nuke us. At this point in the comics, he he kind of abandoned everybody at this point anyway. But like. To me, the best part about the movie is one, the intro, and that's the only yeah, thing Zack yeah. Snyder nails in any of his other DC movies, uh, and the Dr. Manhattan sequence. They're turning me into something it gaudy. I'm tired of these people. It is pretty good. Now, Jackie Earl Haley, I feel oh, like. Oh, no, he's, he's excellent as, as the awesome. horrible Rorschach. But I, but also I just to complain about it. I teased it earlier. The worst dick physics I've ever seen in my life is when Dr. <laughs> Manhattan warps to fucking Mars, his, his dick is his. 10-inch dick is waving around like a windsock. This is the only thing I remember from this movie. Right. <laughs> the big blue dick. Oh, and that was so funny. When they the first trailer that came out, they forgot to remove the dick. Oh. So they like went to theaters and like, yeah, you can't pause it in the theater, but you could clearly see Dr. Manhattan's cock. But that's the thing. Like the things I thought this like a studio like Warner Brothers would shy away from, they didn't mm -hmm. in this in, yeah. in this adaptation. Uh, it's pretty on the nose, and it's just like now that I know the Watchmen is being adapted for a series, I'm like, of course, of course, that's what you should have done with this. You should have made this into a limited series. And of all the things, we're like, correct me if I'm wrong, Di and Sarah, we're already in like the splitting up of last sequels, like the Deathly Hallows and yes. the Twilights getting or, part one yeah. and part twos. Mm -hmm. Why was this one movie? Yeah, yeah. Why? Because well, like, yeah. if, if you look at superhero stories, like I think Winter Soldier is like a third the size of Watchmen, and yet they made. <laughs> so they tried to make this into one three-hour film, and, and like I, I try and watch this every once in a while, but I'm always like too drunk or tired to get to the end of it because mm -hmm. it's uh, it's a little difficult. But it's it's I don't know. Zack Snyder was the perfect guy to do that. Really, not the perfect yeah. guy to put in charge of the look and feel of the DC universe because he brought all his Watchmen baggage in there mm -hmm. and made and, and turned yes. and turned Superman and Batman into like impure, mean people. Uh, but but I don't know. This movie's fascinating. I would never call it great, but like I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. It's ambitious. Yeah. It's incredibly ambitious. I can't believe it yeah, happened. There's there's a lot going on in that book. And obviously you got to strip it down to your bare plot essentials, but those plot essentials take place, you know, with a, a lengthy flashback that relates to other stuff. And everybody's got these different sort of origin stories. Um, I, I think, honestly, I think the whole cast, look at the cast list, Carly so Gugino, good. I think is really good. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think is really good. Malin Ackerman and Matthew Good. I like them both in other places. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're really miscast here. They end up just, Two characters are, we're supposed to care about mm -hmm. uh, or have charisma, and they both just don't. And I, I don't know what it is, man. I th the, the most Somehow. recognizable person in this Who's movie is Matt Frewer. <laughs> they, they cast mostly unknowns who would go on to do much bigger things. And yeah, seen... I've never yeah. been super impressed with Malin Ackerman's stuff. I don't I'm just know not a huge is. fan yeah. of she her. She can be very funny. She, she can be pretty funny. Um, 
she looks great. She looks the part, but there's just something about her that comes off as really flat for a character that's supposed to be kind of sort of an audience surrogate for parts of it, where it's like she's the normal person, the regular person, I guess you'd say, like in this world of crazy pantsness. And and this to me, yeah. in terms of like ambitiousness, we've lived through a lot of uh, DC and and Marvel movies, and I have yeah. never seen a release go this batshit crazy. Because mm-hmm. if you've never read The Watchmen, <laughs> like you got to remember, there's like at least ten pages of like observing an owl uh, in there, and, <laughs> and like a short story about what's what's that thing called? Oh, the fucking oh, black what? the the pirate story. The pirate story. The pirate, Tales of the Black Freighter. Tales of the Black Freighter. They made a straight-to-video animated version of that. They turned the Watchmen into motion comics to put on iTunes, which I think was a weird first. Uh, this had, unlike every other superhero movie you've seen in the last ten years, this had a triple A video game. It wasn't triple A, so we'll talk about it in oh. a second. But like, uh, they pulled out all the stops for Watchmen and are a hard R-rated superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Which uh, again, like, oh yeah. I'm more appreciative. I guess I'm more appreciative that this happened at all, mm. and that it, it wasn't totally embarrassing. Because we were all really yeah. scared. A, a ton of us are really scared. Because like I'm not, I am not there anymore. Where I think the Watchmen is this untouchable Citizen Kane tome of of comic bookery. It was just one reflection of comics at a certain time, and it's to me, it's the comic itself is pretty crystallized there. Uh, but the movie, the movie can be a fun thing to revisit as long as you're in for a big long bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I just, uh, I mean, it stayed faithful uh, to, yeah, a complicated story, made it make sense in a a not too overly stupid way. It didn't turn any of the characters, because the characters are all so flawed that it's so easy to like, oh, Rorschach's a hero. Mm. It's like, no, he fucking isn't. He's a psychopath. Yep. Um, And this just makes me want to watch Saturday Morning Watchmen again, which is one of my favorite (laughs) animated things of all time. (laughs) Forgot about that. That was great. Well, wow, that's let's say uh, that's also celebrating an anniversary. Saturday morning Watchmen, it's great. Yeah, uh, which, which is which is the cartoon is, intro of what it would have been if it were a cartoon in the eighties. Which is how I felt like <laughs> the movie would have come out. I think that was our worst fears for the film. That's why I like that thing so much. But uh, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I would love. I would really. Again, we do a, a listener strike back episode where you guys mm-hmm. can weigh in your comments. I would love to see what you people think of comics. There are people who I've only read this thing like like once or twice. Do you think that this mm-hmm. is this movie is that all accessible to people who are not familiar with the source material? I, I mean, it's it's not very yeah. comic booky at all. I mean, I I watched it and I've seen all the Marvels mm-hmm. as they've come out, mm-hmm. and this I have almost no recollection. Like I remember well, the if, hype. If, if you're and colorblind I remember, and you can't see the color blue, you missed all of this movie. Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's totally yeah. invisible. But like, I remember the hype. I remember my friends being really excited about it at the time. I was excited about it because it looked visually cool. I retained right. almost nothing from the story, because, and, and I can't say that about like Marvel films or you know, like or most of the DC films that I've seen. Like, I haven't seen all the DC. You well, know, like, there's, there's a lot of characters and a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah because by, by, by comparison, by comparison, a bunch of subplots. It all ten, just by comparison, over ten me. years later, we just watched these characters we've been watching for ten years all unite at, for a same cause. And Watchmen starts out like, well, that's all over. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a loser, near death, a little fatter, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. they're being picked off one by one. So mm-hmm. you're you're in the middle of a mystery. So I think in terms of a singular watch. I guess I don't know. Whenever anybody asks me, like, what's the best Marvel movie? I'm like, duh, the latest one. I'm not going to go back and watch the, the thing that doesn't matter anymore. I want to get hyped for the shit that's coming. But uh, this is a, it's it's a good, uh, 
singular watch. Mm. Uh, it doesn't. It's not connected mm. to anything else. You're one and done. Mm-hmm. But yep. but even even then, like I don't know. I would be I would be fascinated to see what other people who know more about the Watchmen think about it because like. I don't know. It went on to, I think, inform a bad look for the DC series, uh, cinema, the DCEU, which, yes, I know they're pretending like they never called it that, but they did. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I, actually very excited because they made some new comics, which I was also very against because the creator's against it. The creator's against mm-hmm. using these characters. But he's against everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's against new yeah. artists. He's against new music. He hates everybody and everything. So mm-hmm. I can't. I have to tune some of this shit out. <laughs> And, yeah. Uh, and at that point, your opinion is nil. Right. And, and so, like, mm. HBO is doing a series, and I think Damon Lindelof, a guy I do not trust even slightly, hmm. uh, said, like, well, we're not going to rigorously adhere to into stuff in the comic. And I was, like, surprised to be oh, like... Oh, that's the thing that people love to hear. Well, no, I, I, I mean, because this movie did, I think, to sort of its detriment. Like, it, if they yeah. wanted to follow up on the situations they changed, that would have been nice. Instead, they just tried to leave them as placeholders for things they couldn't feel like they could adapt from the comic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going to change everything, that's fucking cool. I'm fine with that. I mean, no one cares when Walking Dead does it. Mm-hmm. Completely changes characters and directions of things. But uh, this is fascinating. I, 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 I was shocked to see it here, and Diana told me has told me every week this is coming. And like, I forgot yep. that happened. And like what you said, I wanted to point that out, that the film's marketing... Mm-hmm was mm-hmm. just like the covers of the comics or just like that iconic smiley face with the blood through it was awesome to be alive and like riding around the streets <laughs> of San Francisco and see like giant images of the watchmen it was so exciting mm. uh just cuz it was the and, but it also like uh not to put too much emphasis on this conversation uh i think people pinned a lot of hopes on the book watchmen because it made their comic books seem respectable uh, 30 years ago uh-huh. and that's not the case anymore no one's attacking you other than bill maher about your fucking right, comic books right and uh and so i don't i don't i don't know i don't have a lot of eggs in the watchman basket i don't really care where they take it um i not- I have to say that as a side note, Jeffrey Dean Morgan has to have one of the weirdest uh, fan bases ever because he <laughs> was in this. He's Negan on The Walking mm-hmm. Dead. He also played a pivotal, like huge role in Grey's Anatomy. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big deal. And so he's really got his recognize on the street. People have are varied. Did a real real weird George W. Bush impress, impersonation in Rampage. The oh. the, the Dwayne Johnson classic. Mm-hmm. I think we've all seen it. Sure. Uh, of course. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I actually uh, do. About. Of course we do. Yeah. Uh, but The Watchmen, I, I, I didn't... I, I rewatch this about once a year, and about, I don't know, once every two months, I watch the Dr. Manhattan scene on YouTube, and I think it's flawless. I love it. I mm-hmm. love that sequence. Mm-hmm. It makes me very happy. It makes it brings me almost yeah. to tears. I think you're right about Zack Snyder being a good person to adapt this, but not batman i wish he called i wish he carried over some of the color palette to the batman and superman movies because those are so washed out and so great at least these have a pop of color every now and then yeah there was there was a moment in batman versus superman where i would have sucked dick for yellow like just (laughs) just, just, give me (laughs) please oh it's so washed out uh but this is a fascinating film and i'm glad i'm just glad it's not embarrassing it's not Mm, it's not it was a valiant attempt and if not done well, done valiantly. Um, yes. Yeah. Watchmen, everyone. Watchmen. Television. <laughs> I think we got to move on uh, to television of 2009 because it's just as exciting. Oh, yes. Um, 2009, March 1st through the 7th. 
Jesse Stone, Thin Ice. Is this is this Ooh. a TV show or a movie? This is a TV movie, it but movie. it's like the seventh one with Tom yeah. Selleck playing the titular detective Jesse Stone. The titular Jesse Stone. I'm guessing he's a detective. Uh, yeah, I think he's a cop of some kind. I'm a gardener. Um, and it's based <laughs> on a series of books your dad probably has read. Um, and CBS the, is it set in the Bosch universe? <laughs> <laughs> it might as well be. CBS throws these out every couple of years, and they are. Oof. Let's hear it. When there's trouble in paradise, there's only one man you can call. Sheriff Jesse Stone is back. I believe you know the position. I think you're making up your own rules. I'm the police chief. Based on the best-selling novels. I know how you work. You set people up. You believe the boy's alive. I want him to be. Why'd you come to me? You're the only mobster I know. You cross the line, I'll put you away. You can't. You can't tell me what to do. God, he plays by his own rules! Oh Oh my god, this is just like... He's old, Rogan on the edge. Old white guy <laughs> porn, basically. Uh, it is something to behold. Because he's got such a special brand of justice. Yeah. Um, and on the 2nd of March, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon premieres. There um, we go. Yeah, with just some naysayers out there who think I got the dates wrong. No. The end of Conan started last week, you fuckwits. And Jimmy Fallon doing a show in his studio is evidence of that. That's happening right now, and uh, he had, he booked the worst possible first guest, and everyone was like, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro, hmm. one of my favorite people ever, who mm-hmm. is notoriously mm-hmm. bad at talking. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's just not a good interview. Yeah. But the roots are good. Oh, the roots? Yeah. Philly pride! I don't know. I, I don't understand how that works. I don't know how the roots show up to a thing every day and still tour and make music. It just... Yeah, it, it boggles my mind. Mm. They, they are they are as productive as they are, and then they still shoot like viral shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, afterwards <laughs> singing with Harrison Ford I mean, and Brady just, Bunch style. It's got to be it, cloning. Yeah. It could be the only <laughs> answer here. You can't clone a member of the Roots. There's no other black people alive who know the clarinet. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's <laughs> March third, season two of Reaper premieres, which yeah. I always meant to watch because it's like Kevin Smith produced this show. It's pretty cute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically a guy. I don't. I don't think we talked about season one of Reaper when it first premiered, but it's basically this uh, guy, Ty- played by Tyler Labine, whose parents apparently. Um, uh, promised him to the devil when Ooh. he was born Ooh. in exchange for something continuing to live I think, I think the dad Woodstock. was real I think the dad was really sick and it was basically like if I live I'll give you my firstborn son and, and so like a really good blender <laughs> I mean it's like the high end kind it's a KitchenAid yeah. man um, give and me a kid so he he becomes like a young adult and the devil comes to collect him for his uses and so his his job is to collect all these demons who escaped hell and send them back to hell and the devil's played by ray wise hey look at that. i almost didn't get the name right i was like wait a minute this doesn't sound right even though i love ray wise so much but yeah he's awesome in it and i don't know like i watched um part of the first season i really liked it i thought it was a pretty cute little show mm-hmm. so i just want to give it a little shout out now that we're going into second season i believe it only had two seasons this so. is like but I, I i consider this like on that weird cusp was like oh kevin smith made a show about the devil yeah i think that's what this is mm-hmm. uh i'll check that out when I can rent it through Netflix mailing DVDs and mm. then Netflix streaming started and then 
other programs starting like, well, I'll never watch this. Yeah. This is gone. Yeah. I'll never check it this out. It just gets shuffled in. But I think it's going to be one of those maybe like surprise ones that mm-hmm. I just watch. Like Terriers I got into. I don't know if anyone watched that. <laughs> I'm a Donald Lowe fan. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can get behind it. Yeah. I watched that randomly and it was only on for one season mm-hmm. and I had a really fun weekend like watching that and doing laundry basically. I think that's, I think that's what this show is basically. I remember almost liking it. Yeah. Um, and then on the seventh, it being a Saturday, we have a SNL with host Dwayne Johnson. Is this musical guest Ray Lamontagne? Ray, Ray Lamontagne. Lamontagne. I'm not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a clip from with MacGruber with a special guest. With a special guest. Oh goodness, I'm I'm never Ooh. been more in MacGruber mode. They're teasing a television show. By the way, that might be Ryan Phillippe's best role. Well, MacGyver, you're not MacGruber. That's what you think. What's that supposed to mean? Ten seconds! It was a cold December night. It's a boy, Mr. MacGyver. What are you going to call him? MacGruber. MacGruber MacGyver? (laughs) The perfect name for the perfect baby. Three seconds, MacGyver! Don't you worry, MacGruber. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. Not on my watch. MacGyver! (laughs) (laughs) So this canonically establishes that MacGruber is MacGyver's son? Yes. And that's what Richard Dean Stanton looks like 10 years ago. Exactly. Man, I thought that was Colin Quinn. (laughs) It did look like him. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And that wraps up our television people, but stay tuned. There's a bunch more. Video games of this week. It's... A weird one, but oddly big. Uh, We have a Wii-exclusive Sonic game with Sonic and the Black Knight. It's horrible. We have two MLB baseball games. They don't matter anymore. Uh, We have a new SpongeBob game. SpongeBob, uh, the Beach Party Cook-Off. How about that? Uh, Tom Clancy's Hawks, which I think is still writing checks to Diana's husband. And (laughs) and, uh, the most notable releases I saw are Fantasy Star Portable. Which Fantasy Star Online is this odd continuation of a Sega RPG that went online before any game went online ever. And for huh. some reason in Japan, I think I know why. In Japan, online, I, think they, I think they had weird bandwidth restrictions. Like they had to pay, there was no flat rate for internet. So you'd have to pay for what you used. So a lot of their, their gaming, their online gaming was done with mobile, with mobile phones and things like the PSP. So Fantasy Star Portable came to PSP and it was a huge hit there and I think a minor hit in America. I'm not the right guy to talk to about that. And of course, the the thing I was super teasing is the oddly released Watchmen End is Nigh. It was Warner Brothers trying to be cool and release an episodic video game of the Watchmen. uh, And they released two episodes. (laughs) That usually means like, Mm. that probably wasn't the original plan. Uh, It's, they're not, they're, the first one didn't get great reviews, and the second one got worse reviews. I remember watching it. For, your husband played this for four seconds at my desk, and I've never <laughs> thought about it again. But it's still available. It's still out there. It's 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 nice that they tried, because <laughs> Lord knows if Watchmen was a huge success, this rated R movie, the kids had a lot of stuff to buy. Uh, tons, of, tons of stuff to buy. I think I still own a copy on standard definition DVD of the motion comic. It is the whole comic with light like Ken Burns style pans over the oh, with with narration oh, no. and shit. Oh boy. And uh yeah, no I didn't say that about the Watchmen, but I love about it. Some every time I talk to somebody about it, like the music was so hack, I'm like, it's written in the comic book. Mm. Like it's 
along the watchtowers written in uh, words. You can gotcha. you, you mm-hmm. can read the lyrics. It's oh, that's what the songs are. It's not Suicide Squad, but it's close. Um, and that about wraps it up mm-hmm. for T three this week. We did it, ladies and gentlemen. We got through another week in our proud, proud history. Um, Yay! How about that? You can find out more at lasertimepodcast.com or please leave a comment at 302010.net or the other one I just said uh, or wherever you want to do it. Twitter, uh, 302010podcast uh, on Twitter and the or the Lasertime Facebook community where you can uh, join in with a, thousands of other wonderful nerdy misfits who make, uh, make this job so fucking great on a regular basis. Um, especially you, J.R. Rawls, giving you a shout out this week. Uh, I, I took your song challenge. I'm having a great time with it. And uh, be sure to listen to Laser Time this week. It's all about uh, we're trying to recreate Saturday morning cartoons. They have been dead for only three years. So it'll be a little a little mm. while before we can talk about that. But there are no longer any Saturday morning cartoons. Kids no longer have a realm of entertainment on Saturday mornings. And that, to me, is a bummer. Uh, Don't so they have... All of the realms in the world now? Yeah, if you want reruns, but what if you want new crazy shit you've never seen before? And uh, what if you want to make breakfast yourself with some marshmallow cereal? It's a fun time. It's a fun time. I'm not going to go sleep over at Danny's house. He doesn't have a... He doesn't have a fucking big TV. Like, we got to watch Saturday morning cartoons. It was a big deal. Uh, It's a big deal growing up for for people my age and born anywhere from the 40s to the 1990s. Hmm. Um, Yeah, fair enough. But uh, you can check that out in Video Game Apocalypse, hosted by Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Raparez, and Maddie Allen. Again, shout out to Maddie for all his wonderful songs in the Oscar Time episode, which you should totally <laughs> listen to. You should totally listen to. Diana has agreed. To, we, we want to bitch about the Oscars a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we have a bonus yep. show every week, and that's what we'll be doing. We will be bitching about this week's Oscars and why Green Book didn't win more awards. Uh, <laughs> at patreon.com slash laser time. That and over 100 movie commentaries are going to be kicking in some new incentives for you, including exclusive series very soon, as well as hopefully... We'll be able to stream some Monday Night Movies again. That shit is real fun. We love watching movies with you guys, and a lot of times it relates to the stuff we talk about on 302010. Watchmen yeah. would be a good one mm-hmm. if it you weren't what, so long. You know what would be good, too? What's that, D? You know what's coming next week? What's coming next week? Tease it. I have one word for you, Chris. What? Bertold. Bertold! Bertold! Yeah. Oh, fuck. I love that movie. I'll be watching that tonight. Uh, uh, yes. In, on the anniversary of Terry Gilliam getting another movie release for, for 25 years. <laughs> Congratulations. It looks terrible. Um, <laughs> yep. And if you want me to keep teasing stuff like that, I uh, do that every week on our Twitter at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. Yes. And I that always is, tease them. And with our plugs out of the way, uh, we got to tell you who died. Who died this week, Dime? Oh, it's a shitty week for deaths. Oh, my God. I'm going to work backwards. That's 2009, crazy. we lost Horton Foote, age 92. He was a writer and playwright. Uh, he did the screenplay for... Um, never abandoned that egg. He never abandoned that clover. I'm proud of he him. He was wonderful that way. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he did the screenplay for the movie version of To Kill a Mockingbird, which oh. is probably one of the best adaptations ever done. You Sounds so. like someone hasn't seen Sorkin's play. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> So much walking and talking. How did they do that? They just walk in circles on just that stage. Circle. Yeah, it's just a Jamiroquai set. It's actually like cats where they come into the theater and talk into your face. Like, where the hell are I think they're on the balcony now. Where are they? Are they doing dialogue up there? I can hear them. I think they're going to get a slice. Yep. 
Okay, but then 1999, what a shitty fucking week. We lost Dusty Springfield, who is 59, who's an amazing singer, and Dusty in Memphis is a fucking great album, and I started listening to it again. Um, we lost the king of improv, Del Close, who's 64. Wow. Invented the Herald, which is long-form improv, basically. Mm. Okay, now he deserves a dime. It, like, basically <laughs> is the uh, teacher of all of your favorite improv people and is the reason probably why we have the UCB. Yes, reportedly oh, yeah. a very Big nice man. Big deal. And, well, <laughs> and yeah. uh, at the end of his life, bequeathed his skull to uh, a theater in Chicago to be used during Hamlet. Oh, that's wonderful. Yep. Yeah. So that's yep. fine. But then there was controversy because I yes. thought, that's not his skull. And then... Uh, his girlfriend eventually had to admit that, yeah, it's not actually yeah. his skull. There was some reason they couldn't use his skull, but I kind of want to do that too. I mean, I, it, he yeah. willed his skull specifically so he could play Yorick yes. in Hamlet. You're right. Like, I, wh- why take of, that away from him? Some of our adjacent yeah. friends dug some, like, this is a secret, and they've never told me who it was. And they told me to tell me someday. I've forgetting to ask them for two decades. They dug some semi famous person out of their grave. apparently like on a dare somebody ate salad out of his skull and I gotta figure out who this is uh, because this is a this has to be a fun story there has to be a fun story here I forgot that I knew people who would do such a thing oh Uh, my god which I would I would do what I always do encourage from afar and not participate I would do what I would always do is say I'm gonna I'll have some of that salad and then not have any of that salad no dressing for me (laughs) I'm good thanks you don't want I don't want to get this thing any wetter yeah, but Del Close taught Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Gilda Radner, Amy Poehler, Ham- Harold Ramis, Bob Odenkirk, Adam McKay, Tina Fey. Uh, yeah, everybody. Mm-hmm. Kind of everybody. It's so. pretty nuts. And then- that sucks. Fuck you, emphysema. And then, uh, last but not least, also in 99, we lost Stanley Kubrick. He was 70. How, how <sighs> it he- took him 18 takes to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. 18 is too few. He was so mad at himself. That that seems a little early. I I I always meant to look into that because he was incredibly reclusive at this point. Like yeah. no public yes. appearances. Like yep. th- every time you see a photo of him, it sucks because mm-hmm. it's so old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, all all we know, but all we knew right then in 1999 is he has been off making a movie with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman for like three years. Right. Yeah, th- I think they're the only ones. No, who I don't know. think we've seen it yet. No. We haven't? Oh, it's, no, it's haven't. the summer. I haven't even I'm seen it I'm so yet. excited. It's not even out. Mm. It's my second favorite Christmas movie. It's my second favorite movie nice. with Nicole Kidman's butt. <laughs> okay. But with that, would you like to go to the birthday quiz? Yes. Birthday is a doodly doo. All right. Happy 50th birthday to this week's birthday quiz, born March 1st, 1969. Uh, I did not realize he uses his mother's surname because she raised him all, all on her own. Hmm. hmm. Go Moms! Uh, he comes from a family of actors, but also played for his national youth rugby team. Okay. And he is the first actor from his country nominated for an Oscar, which blows my mind. Oh. Um, and uh, the first nomination was for Before Night Falls, and the second was for Beautiful. Oh, uh, Javier Bardem. There you go. Javier Bardem. Yay! Motherfucker, I'm going to I couldn't tell you the third nomination because it's No Country for Old Men, and he won. Yeah. I watched Beautiful. Oof. I haven't seen that, but I've seen Before Night Falls, and that was great. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful is great, I mean, too. It is, though. Oof. Yeah. No, not not known for the lighthearted, no. happy-go-lucky I stories. Think, I mean, I think his most lighthearted is um, 
Vicky Christina Barcelona. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Also probably often gets um, confused for Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yes, he yes. does. Yeah. Yes. yes, he fucking... That's who I thought yeah. this was. I'd never seen Jeffrey Dean Morgan before when the Watchmen trailer came out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Aubrey <laughs> just wow, like a comedian. What, what happened to his accent? Wow, he's really been working <laughs> he, on he's it. He's very yeah. good. He is very good. <laughs> uh... Who watches the Watchmen, sir? Call it. Um, I can't do a Harvey Bardem impression. Let's give up uh, on this whole show. Yeah. Uh, but I got to tell you, this show is executive produced, let's say, by Jose Perez. I'm not going to use all the names in your name, uh, but uh, you should enjoy our Roma sketch. So listen, <laughs> <laughs> listen to that. It's awfully presumptuous. Yeah, well, it's yeah, a lot of names. That. It's a lot of names. Um, He's German. No, he's come, come now. There's too many Z's. He could be German. Too many Z's. Executive produced by, uh, thank you, Jose, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time, who, uh, for the price of a cup of coffee, keep their favorite or fourth favorite podcast network a going, a chugging along, uh, eating food, making shows, keeping the hosting up. We do appreciate it. We are 99% listener supported, and we thank you guys so much for that again, for allowing us to go into your ears. Diana, you want to close out with Son of a Preacher, man? Hell yeah. Like I said, Dusty in Memphis, man. Check out that album. Indeed. She was awesome. Well, you have one week, and then we can't ever talk about it again, because that's how 302010 works. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week where uh, Dusty Springfield will be alive. I forget how this works. Uh, we'll tell you who lived, who died, what came out. Thanks for listening, everyone. i